What's good, everybody? Welcome back. It's super exciting. We have Mr. Lush one here with us. That is that is just absolutely wonderful. I know that that Mr. Mr. Flacco Bale wanted to change how we started it a little bit, and I love his ideas. So I think we should start this off with Mr. Flacco Bale explaining the inception of the show, given that he's a co-host, everything. He's a big part of it. So we're going to take it away, and then we're going to get to Mr. Lush one. Word. So salutations, everybody. Um... You are on the EOW TV platform. We are Bridge the Gap. Uh, we are your hosts for the day, Holden, Stefan Roy, and myself, yeah. Libro Flaco. You know what I mean? Um, our guest today is Lush One. And um, Lush, you know, like this, this show came about because, like, uh, you know, I was doing, like, um, my album run and whatnot. And uh, I did... Um, uh, I uh, I got a holding got a hold of my music through um, the mix the engineer for the album who's also from Montreal and he just reviewed the album on his own and then from there we talked about doing the interview and after doing the interview I was just like yo this was a really good interview and like I think that it'd be good like to bring other homies um from the indie underground hip-hop scene to the platform here on EOW TV and do like a whole interview series with Holden you know what I mean and talking to interesting people like you like Poison Pen we just had direct on last week so it's very uh -oh. like Sarah, like all the guests have been kind of like lining up perfectly you guys all I'm not like forcing any dates on you you guys like pick these dates and it's yeah. like they're all falling in line with each other and the stars are lining up and it's like we're telling this story of like uh the beginnings of like the modern era of battle rap you know what i mean so like thank you for like coming through you know what i mean thank you for sitting down with us and um yeah man holden's got got a got a great grip on this interviewing thing so, like, I'm going to let him take it away. Yo, so definitely appreciate you coming through. And part of why it's called Bridge the Gap is because, yo, I'm from Montreal, Quebec, right? So, in a lot of ways. I couldn't tell by your accent. For real? I don't know. No, I'm just playing. I, I, I hella can tell. As I can well. hella tell. I love it. Yo, literally, that's, that's like, honestly, nobody said that, says, talks about, like, my Montreal accent like that. So, it actually caught me off guard for a quick second. But, it's uh, super pronounced, and I love the Montreal. I haven't been to Montreal since I performed at a Montreal Jazz Fest in 2013. That's a big, which was right crazy. There. That's a big which was drop. So I wasn't even trying to flex, but I realized like oh, how that word. came across right away. No, that's a but big that's thing. A, that's <laughs> a one. Take it easy, Lush. No, it's all good. That's what we want a little bit. We want to hear no, everything about you. Don't like you have easy. no idea how excited i am like so straight up the show's called bridge they got parted because i don't i didn't know a lot about even battle rap before like flacco uh set me up and then we started talking to iron solomon and i started this journey so for me i like honestly really didn't know who you were until i started re like flacco told me and i started researching you so it's like this fresh perspective into it but i swear there's something that was a little unique from when i posted about your interview i had like three to four separate people hit me up and be like bro you gotta understand that Lush One is like a legend, and if you f you better do your fucking research. You better, and I'm just like, oh shit, Lush One's like a serious. No man. pressure. 
like just a serious <laughs> name but that because uh, but the thing for me it's not a worry i just go do my due diligence every time man i just go check out the shit so for me it's like cool and then we talk about your life because that's what we do in this show we just talk about your life that's what it is shout out young gray may for the follow appreciate that um but like uh it's just it's just exciting to have you here and so part of that is just we bridge gaps you gonna tell us a whole bunch of knowledge nuggets based on the story of your life and with that i do have a token first question i like to start with because it's, it's been a fun experience thus far so if you'll bear with me it's a little but, well, well hold on real quick before we do the first question can we talk about montreal real quick we can always talk about montreal okay so first of all portuguese chicken Let's go. Yes. <laughs> Quit playing. Ah, right? Yes. Like, I love it. Great start. I used to I used to do a lot of drugs. I don't do drugs no more. Um, but I was off you know you know what Mandy is? Yes. Mandy is Molly's cousin. MDA, you feel me? Cousin of Molly. No no MDMA, MDA. It's very groovy. Um I was off the Mandy and I could still eat because that Peruvian chicken was smacking so hard. Let's talk about I've never been the only other city I would say is Barcelona, Spain, but still, like I've never been to a place with so many the women are aggressive in Montreal. They were catcalling me. I felt objectified. I felt like a damn piece <laughs> of meat walking down the block. They was like I was like, Love it. this is this is how girls feel, bro. This is like I damn near wanted to write a letter to the congressman. I know y'all ain't got congressmen. Yo, but I you was know like, what? I can co-sign that because I just finished going to Montreal early, right? in 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 right like November 2019, right before pandemic, right? And I'm on my honeymoon, right? And like chicks still flirted. And it's just like, yo, you're like high key disrespectful. My wife is right there. You're lucky she can't hear you. She's from Brooklyn. She'll fuck you up. Like, you know they're, what I mean? They're, like, they're looking for that three screw, bro. They don't know. Yeah, yo, they're crazy. trying to test out the vibes. Like, dude, I mean, but like, you know what? Like, wow, props to like Montreal and Canada, period, right? Like, Canada's known for like its women being like. Canada's got know, some of the baddest women in the focus world. More in Montreal. On Montreal. It's it's more a Montreal thing. I'm just gonna throw it out there than a Canada. Thing. Oh yeah, yeah. The aggression and like you know, like I know about the history a little bit, but like you know, I had girls slapping me on the ass. I was like, I don't even got ass like that. This is wild, bro. Um, every single every single bar is a strip club. I mean, like it might just be like some drunk chick on the pole getting wild, but it's a strip club nonetheless. It's like. Titties first, questions later. But I had an incredible experience. I just really wanted to, before you get into your first question, just say. No, it's okay. This was great. Portuguese chicken. No, but that's, that's what, when you said that, I was like, that's real. Like, that isn't like some regular, you had to, you have to have had that shit to have had that shit, you know? Like, that felt that. Yeah. Um, all right. So I do have that first question done. It's fucking, I'm excited to hear your answer. Um, so basically, it's a bit of a story. When it lands, you'll be like, whatever you feel about it, you'll answer. It'll be cool. But it all starts with my girlfriend, and she's washing the dishes, and she's bumping that Black Eyed Peas song, the I got a feeling, ooh, and she's like vibing, she's dancing, she's doing her thing. And what's really nifty about that is I started thinking about like music and vibes and shit and how like this song is like exercise music now. It's like fucking doing dishes, chores music now. And I'm like 10 years ago, I can vividly remember being in the club, jumping up around drunk as fucking circles to that very song, singing it, trying to get girls and whatnot. And it was just a very different vibe, like like that song. But that song in time moved along and I'm like, whoa, music 
in the way that it relates to time is kind of interesting like that so it made me realize autumn club hits today everything people's vibing to that shit's just gonna be like the chores music of the future and all that stuff people's exercising to which i thought was super cool and that relates to like our musical journeys a bit because songs are kind of like attached to vibes at different points in our life and they have different meanings and everything right and the thing i of- feel like a lot of that's triggered by nostalgia you know like if you're comfortable enough to do chores or something it's a song that resonates with a certain emotional capacity from your past you know what i mean i find that's exactly it but that thinking of the nostalgia factor it made me think about our own musical journeys and oftentimes when we talk about it especially in interview land it usually starts around puberty life when we start to get our attachment to music and form our own identities but if you think about it in terms of vibes and the soundscapes of our lives it really starts like way earlier than that and um i know in your case it might be a little different than most people but it really starts with like when you're really young five years old this real youthful times and like it's the stuff that your parents or the environment around you was playing the technologies around the availability of the different things like for me my dad was playing these led zeppelin tapes and for some reason that was like the apartment music but krista berg was like the car music and the 90s techno was the night music and all these different things kind of created this like soundscape in my universe that laid this foundation that would later become my musical identity and you wouldn't even realize it till like way later on in life so i guess that brings me to you and if we can go back to being a little five-year-old lush one something in that early early era if you could walk us a little bit through the soundscape of your existence at that time so uh i love that question because i very often and i love the way you phrase this like i get interviewed by a lot of hip-hop outlets you feel me been promoting my new album so uh, and a, pretty much every single one of them will sit, will be like well how did you first get into hip-hop and that kind of correlates with this question for me because i got two older brothers 12 and 14 years older than me my mm-hmm. parents had me they were like 39 40 had them in their 20s they swear to god that i was not an accident you know what I mean? They swear that I was planned. The jury is still out. You know what I'm saying? Love we it. don't have the results yet. I am not sure. Regardless, I'm here. But I had brothers. that They were the perfect age difference for me because they were too old to beat me up. You know what I mean? So I didn't like we weren't able to fade them like that. But they were close enough in age to put me up on some cool ass shit. And so when I was four years old, Happened to be right when uh, Ice T. I'm born in 1981, December of 81. Not to age myself, but I'm born in December of 1981. Um, my brother showed me a record by Ice T called Six in the Morning. And um, I don't know if it was the infectious bass line or the controversial, aggressive content and a bunch of words that I was explicitly told that I wasn't supposed to say. And the combination of that was just intoxicating. And uh, I fell in love with hip hop at that age. I was four years old. And from there, the the very early ages, it was, you know, evolved from uh, Ice-T. It was like a very good blend of like classic seminal New York hip hop. And since I'm from Los Angeles, California, gangster rap and pimp rap. So everything from, uh, you know, NWA, Easy E, Compton's Most Wanted, uh, um, you know, Too Short to... Eric B and Rakim, the Fat Boys, Beasties, all that kind of shit. You feel me? Like, that's what I was raised on from a very small age. But also, you know, uh, classic rock. Um, I had two I had two pet chameleons when I was five years old. They were named Jimmy and Bob. So that just shows. Like real after chameleons? Actually, uh, chameleons, chameleons. Yo, how much yeah. is, like, how much do they actually change their colors and shit? 
these ones, they were, it was like different shades of green and brown. It wasn't like if you put them on like uh, something blue, they're not going to change blue and shit, but they for sure will like change colors based on like, and also I think it's temperature or some other shit too. But yeah, Jimmy and Bob, I was super into Jimi Hendrix, um, super into the Beach Boys. I think that was the LA, you know what I mean? Obviously, uh, Barbara Ann, that was a big joint. When I, I'm saying I was like two years old and I was on my brother's, brother was a drummer. I was on his trap set playing Barbara Ann or just banging and saying bah, bah, bah. Mm-hmm. So, like, that was, like, a very early. And then, you know, like, definitely was essentially raised by MTV ever since MTV, the box. VH1 was kind of whack this before BET was even a thing. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a big answer. So, if I understand correctly, you are older brothers, so you cheated the system a bit and you didn't have to wait for anyone else. You got the hip shit off the jump because they were going through the identity stuff and so they just kind of yeah. jump started you. And, but you also had the big age gap situation, which is fascinating. Big age right. gaps have created a seriously interesting family dynamic. Like, my girlfriend's sister's 10 years older than her, so like I've seen what that family dynamic can be like. So, it's super interesting in terms of the music acquisition because it's not mad common. But it has a huge impact on you being exposed to things so young, which creates a different uh, path. Like already off the jump, you're already into it. But the fact that you also t- t- uh, played the drums like right away at two years old yeah. means that already yeah. there's some part of you that's attached to creation of music off the fucking literal jump. I mean, how much more off the jump can you go at two? You can barely move before that. <clears throat> Well, let, let, let me break it down. I'm pretty sure when I was pre- when my mom was pregnant with me, she must have had headphones on her stomach with just the drum loops from uh, from Parliament Funkadelic Records playing. I swear to God, something crazy like that. But now to really break it down, um, I'm fourth generation in the entertainment industry. Uh, my great-grandfather, Saul Hurok, uh, brought ballet to America from Europe. He was the first person to ever throw integrated concerts at Carnegie Hall with black and white performers, was a huge civil rights activist. Basically, all of my ancestors going back four generations were either or both civil rights activists and entertainment industry. Uh, my grandfather was a talent manager. He discovered and was uh, one of the original managers for Robin Williams, Carol Burnett, um, Jonathan Winters. So obviously he was like on the Mork and Mindy set, super tough. Uh, my my mother is a producer of plays. My father is a filmmaker, writer, director, producer. And he actually... Uh, Used to be a drummer as well. He used to, he was the protege of Philly Joe Jones, who was Miles Davis's drummer. My dad used to play drums with John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Cannonball Adderley, all them, you know what I mean? Uh, my uh, my older brother's a filmmaker. So it's in my DNA code. Next to the palm trees are, you know, music notes and uh, director reels and shit. You feel me? So that's like, that's in my blood. Like, okay, I, I mean, like, I knew some of that was coming but like Matt how is it like growing up in that universe because you're you're like that's not like people had records that's like people had the musicians in your life I don't think people fully like appreciate like what I I saw a couple interviews where you touched on it here and there so I was hoping you could expand just on what it's like to be at that age and have that kind of environment and just not like going to like taboo kind of shit but just the way it like opened your mind to different stuff and what you could take away from those situations being young in that kind of a world, seeing things that literally nobody else is seeing at that age. Not literally. You know, I, 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 Oh, Oh, 
right. always felt like I was a freak show and was just like had a very unique and different experience. But all I wanted to do was be normal. You know what I mean? And like I became really resentful of the film industry and movies and shit because my dad was always going away and working for months at a time. So I was like, yo, I'm trying to you know, throw a baseball around with my dad, he's not there. You know, my, my brothers being so much older, it was dope until they bounced to go to college. So I was like, it was pretty much predominantly me and my mother and my grandmother when I was growing up. And uh, this that is in crazy. LA, in LA in the 80s and, yep, in LA in the 80s and 90s, early 90s. So this is the height of the crack epidemic. This is when um, gang culture was just taking, was like at its, the peak, the peak of the, you know, gang war between the Bloods and the Crips and uh, the crack epidemic poisoning the communities, uh, the Iran-Contra. And uh, so I'm like kind of growing up in between these two worlds. And it was, uh, it was like a cultural explosion, but really like at the end of the day, I was way more drawn to what was going on in the streets. And that's kind of what raised me. Like where I'm from, West LA is like, it's one of the most unique places in the world because you have the juxtaposition of it's like the shadow of the film industry, entertainment industry. There's a lot of really wealthy people, but there's also, you know, it's the city. So there's a bunch of people from all different backgrounds. You know, you have gangs, Mexican gangs, black gangs, racist white gangs. You have uh, so it's the place where skateboarding culture came to fruition. Think of everything from Menace to Society to American History X to Dogtown and Z-Boys, it all take took place within a few miles of where I grew up at. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's a lot. Which is, uh, it was a very unique experience. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I have a, I have a question also related to like, uh, just your involvement or interest in punk. And when, was that like something that was off the jump as well? Or did that come later on? Cause I know you you were like kind of linked to the punk scene at one point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've all you know that that was just like kind of like I said, like the skateboarding culture was always really there, and uh, you know, suicidal tendencies was a big band from right down the way from where I grew up. They're from Venice, California. I'm literally from two neighborhoods away from Venice, so that was at an early age. And then you know, LA punk music like the Circle Jerks, shit like that was always around when I was uh, growing up. You know what I mean? And um, when I got a little bit older, when I got to high school, like yeah, I, I loved that shit. And it was like my time was spent in between punk rock and hip hop, and you know, the rave scene. It was all huge influences on me. And at the time, like. Hip-hop and the rave scene in L.A. were, like, combined. Hip-hop shows were at raves. And then, like, then there'd be, like, punk, which was a whole separate scene. But, like, punk rockers always kind of fucked with hip-hop, too, in, in L.A. So it was, like, uh, you know, there was just, like, too. I've always been, right, you feel me? Like, same thing in New York. I've always really been into just, you know, punk rock is part of the roots of hip-hop, period. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I mean, I think that they, they would probably, because we came first, right? So, right. But, like, I think that they... Like, because of the way that it grew in New York City, right? I think that New York City is the birthplace of punk, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I could be wrong. England, low-key. Okay. But, yeah. like, you know, it was... We all know that there was a huge... With the Ramones and the Absolutely. CGT shit. Absolutely. And that shit being so big in New York City, um, that it, and at the time of hip-hop really uh, being past its birth and, like, having its first few like uh, industry moments and whatnot, you know? Um, and and the brotherhood that got formed between the two, I think kind of like just goes everywhere, you know? Like it's the same thing in Cali. 
it'll be the same thing anywhere else that has a strong punk scene because at the time hip hop was such a strong emerging scene as well everywhere else very well said and i think that really what it boils down to for me and everybody else that was a hip hopper that was into punk rock or a punk rocker that was into hip hop was it's just like anti-establishment culture going against the grain music that you can play loud that'll piss off your parents and old white people and that's like what was the whole point of it and that's what i I was drawn to i was drawn to the rebellious nature i was drawn to the aesthetic and uh yeah i was it's always been to this day a huge influence on you know like bad brains and uh you know hardcore bands from the east coast like that are still some of my favorite music in the world you know super cool i mean i always i was drawn to hip-hop and punk for the same reason so and i heard you like kind of touch on it i was looking into it but i was like yeah that's exciting because like you don't often hear a lot of people bring up those kind of connections and relate these two scenes at all but i was always like nah they seem like fundamentally driven by very similar principles in like the like anti-establishment ways like fuck the but the unjust system not like fuck the system but it's because the system is unjust therefore you must fuck the system so like i always loved that part of it and it was it was just cool for me um so basically in your case you're growing up with a whole lot of stuff in your environment but were you um were you like interested in creating stuff off the jump is this like something that was like like kind of drilled into you like at an early age or were you just kind of a consumer of the arts at that point like when you're really young. I always could write really well. I was into writing. Um, I, uh, and I think it was like what made me really want to start rapping. Well, it was a pretty early age. I think it was probably fourth or fifth grade when I saw Crisscross because they were my same age. You know what I mean? Like they were my same age. And I was like, oh, these are kids that are getting down and, and they're dope. You feel me? And I love the way they dress. I, I, I had like this say I was wearing hella cross colors fits. You should find some old pictures of me. I had the cross colors. You feel me? the Malcolm X hats and all that. That was like mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. You feel you me? Talk my like, talk. I already know what that is. Yep. Another era, you know, yep. I know what it is. I'm very familiar. I mean, I know I definitely was like, I think we were, you know, we're uh, a year apart. So like, right. you know, a majority of those things that like, oh, the same reason was hitting for you, it was hitting for me, you know, yeah. like young cats um, dressing like of the time, you know what I mean? Like when, when no other rapper was wearing none of those bugs and Tasmanian devil shirts, they had them on, you know? And that's what young kids were wearing at the time. That's how I dressed, you feel yeah, me? Exactly like, how that, but, exactly how they were drawn is how we dressed at the time. You know and they I mean? just like, did it a little bit better than I did. And I was yeah, exactly. okay, they're wearing it they're wearing yeah. it backwards. Let me try yeah. to do that. You feel yeah. me? Like I remember, and all the girls I liked being, it. I remember being jealous of like my the first time that I caught feelings of jealousy was when there was this one cat in like elementary school that he clearly came from a family that like provided that fashion side for him mm-hmm. that my parents were not with, you know, my parents yeah, were yeah. not, my parents were always on that, like, nah, like you, you, that costs way too much. Like you don't right. get that, you know what I mean? So I didn't get to have, like he did, like the the two different colors of the Jordans of the same yeah. sneaker and wearing a different color on each foot and with the backwards outfit, like I was like, yo, my man is killing the game right now. Like I <laughs> yeah. wish I could show up to elementary school in fourth grade like that. You know what I mean? Like what? Like 
he was killing the game. And it nah, was because, yeah, that, that's the that's the fit at the time. Like so everything that, that, that was the uniform. Safe, you know? so. Like that that Malcolm X hat was very very like important and shit. Like and you are you were you was was it the uh regular black one with the stitching or was it the black one with the metal with the metal with the white with, with the, the black with the gray and then like the the red and black x on it i had i had a what? few different x hats and what? like man it, it was crazy i was like a super cultured white boy like it was did not eat is i stuck out like crazy doing that shit you feel me but i was the first person in elementary school that could go wicked a wicked a wicked a whack and like everyone would have me say that all day and i was like okay maybe there's something to this rapping thing like girls like it the dance moves and all that i was like there's, dance there's something to this right another here. recurring theme on the show is that 100 like you know that's yeah, the main the thing like where the girls certain certain guys is like yo wait where the girl I mean, I think we all kind of like men, um, uh, heterosexual men, all kind of like operate in this very, like, especially young way, like primitive way of like, whatever is the thing that you happen to do, you do it, but like, you want to do it really well because you want to get girls and you mm. think that this is One the way to get girls. Well. You know, like, I think we've all seen, like, maybe we haven't all seen, but like, I seen this video the other day, the title was like, uh, uh, that thing that, how you would act when like, you would think that uh, that 15 year old girl you like is watching and it's like a kid on a bike. And I'm like, I already know what's happening. He's yeah. doing all the tricks. He's yeah. trying to do all the so. tricks. He's trying to, he's trying to bounce on the one, to one wheel. He's trying to, cause when you're young, you think to yourself, like, this is the way to impress a girl is let That's me show it. her, <laughs> you know, like my skateboard tricks, my BMX right. bike tricks. If right. I play basketball or football, it'd be like, let me score that touchdown. You know, let me do that layer. Let me take that shot. Like it's for us, it was rapping, you know, like, yeah, let me say like, wiggity, 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 whack one time. You feel me? <laughs> so, uh, and and like uh, to, to play off what you said about the gear, like it was like that too. But for me, you know, there was a lot of, there's all these memos going around all like the home journals and parenting journals in LA at that time of like, this is gang attire. Don't dress like this. No shirts with graffiti writing. No, like you can't wear baggy jeans, this and that. And my parents were, so they're like, no, you can back to school shopping. You getting some butt huggers from the gap and that's it. And so that was the catalyst for me starting to be a little criminal and, you know, hustling and selling drugs and boosting and all that shit. Cause I wanted to dress how I wanted to dress. And if they wasn't finna buy me that, I was gonna get it regardless because you can't stop me from being fly, and that was uh, so hold that on. was like I, I literally gotta, what. I gotta ask a couple more things related to this because it's really interesting that the fashion matters, right? But and it's mattering so young to you. So like, was that always prevalent? Did it always matter that you had to look good? Hell yeah, hell yeah! Fashion was always has been ubiquitous from the time I was super young. Like, and and it was all about like. I wanted all the jerseys. I liked, I would love like, you know, going to baseball games at a young age, Dodgers season tickets. And I loved all the other cities that would come the away teams because they all had different hats. So I started trying to collect hats, started trying to collect jerseys. And then like, uh, there was like early streetwear brands that I was really into like Stussy and Fresh Jive and all that when I was like in fourth grade. Yeah, like I, I was dating girls all through elementary school. I was like one of the first, when girls still had cooties, I was hollering at them. I don't yeah. know, I always Facts. really liked girls. Facts. Like, My I first was, little girlfriend was like second grade, you know? That's like, what I'm I saying, remember, yeah. You know it, what I mean? It, like, it was period. Very I, I always, 
I always had females, but then like I literally had girlfriends even younger than that. But really, when I was in fourth grade, was my first official gr- girlfriend. And stop Asian hate. My first girlfriend, Catherine Ashikita. Shouts to Catherine if you're watching this. She was Japanese. She was the cutest girl in school. You feel me? And um, she, uh, we went to the movies and all that. We like we we caused such like our relationship caused such a ripple effect of all the other kids wanting to date each other in the entire class that they needed to have like a whole meeting about it like the whole class had to have a conversation about my relationship people in my kool-aid from an early age macking from an early age like bun b but yeah that's what it was so for show the attire you know what i mean like and at the time like yeah you feel me like nike cortez's vans chuck taylor's um it was always about that. I, I didn't really start having Jays and Barclays till I was a little bit older, but it was right around that time too. So uh, <clears throat> the next question is, you mentioned crisscross and you kind of dabbled, t- glossed over the word dancing. So were you also a dancer back in the day? I, I, I've always been like hell of uncoordinated, but still like have no shame whatsoever. So I was out there gigging like to this day i'm still gigging like technically like on a technical scale i'm trash you feel me like my let me just equate my dance skills are like nori rapping you feel me like horrible but dope as fuck yes i would that's how i feel about my dance moves yeah and then i have the white right that encourages all of them so i'm just like i'm i'm like this is the worst scenario for everybody in the world because it's just like, I'm just like, well, like, like my wife moves, thinks though. it's fantastic. So what are you telling me, really? Like, I'm supposed to keep on doing this. Like I love, <laughs> I love dancing. I don't care what it is. I was like, be at the most hood parties, the one white boy, super turning up. You going, I'll like the hood girls like, oh, go white boy. Oh, that white boy clean. I'll be at the oh, Mexican uh, functions. Goes back to I'll the be thing. at the, the Mexican functions. And it's all like paisas. You feel me doing ranchero style dancing. And I'm getting it. You feel me? Like offbeat and all i don't give a fuck i'm getting it and to me the benchmark of dancing well is having fun and not giving a fuck you know what i mean like and as long as like you in the zone and like you got your own little pocket you're gonna be straight like i said i'm the nori rapping of dance moves i love it no, that's an amazing <laughs> i like everything that. about this is amazing you're a wonderful person to talk to mr lashwan i, I definitely yo, yo great man honestly and we're not even like honored we have we haven't even got to puberty yet we're only like no. Nah, I haven't even gotten to puberty yet. This is not. Is there's ne- not a hair on my nutsack yet. Ain't that Word. a bitch? That's crazy. <laughs> Alrighty, he's outperforming us in life with ladies, with fashion, like fucking banging on drums at two. Like fuck, my guy, your life is fascinating. Like honestly, Very. like regardless Very. of like whatever attachment you have for all the accolades to come later on in this story, it's already yeah. pretty damn yeah, you incredible. Know what? Let me echo that real quick because something that I forgot to tell direct when we had him on was like, I remember when like I started like getting to know about more about like, you know, uh, just direct and, and, and you and ills. Right. And, and definitely like, you know, like any type, any typical, uh, hip hop shit or street shit, there's always wild gossip out there you know what i mean and it's wild like yeah you didn't know this this about this person this about that person and shit and like i was just always very fascinated by like you guys background of like yo like your your dad doing movies you know like yeah. direct dad 
you know, being in computers, clearly like being able to give his son a better upbringing than most people might have been able to, you know, give their children back then. You know what I'm saying? Like that to me was very fascinating because it also wasn't like um, uh, disingenuous at any point. You know what I mean? Like I didn't get any like, uh, I you know, and my like detector might not be as we were laughing about earlier, right? We were laughing about uh, me. You, I used to uh, bump some Iggy Azalea songs once upon a time, right? But, like, uh, uh, apart from that, like, joking scenario, like, my radar is pretty good. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah, people, bro. Yeah, yeah. Some people's, like, uh, genuine ability, you know, genuineness. And, like, I always got that from, like, you and Direct and Ills. You know what I mean? Like, it was no, like, um, it was no, like, uh, 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 like, that isn't isn't genuine, isn't from the soil, that hasn't been certified clearly on their own, where they're from and whatnot. Like, I always got those I mean, you're from the Bronx. Of course, you could tell, like, you can break people down very quick. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. And, and so I just always was uh, appreciative, though. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, yo, the backgrounds are interesting, you know? And, like, I always felt like, Yo, in a movie scenario, like, people would be, like, really surprised to see, like, where everybody that, like, really helped build this shit and this ship, you know, like, where where they hail from, how, like, their backgrounds and, and origins, you know what absolutely, I mean? Like, absolutely. For real. Also, absolutely. It turns out that people fucking love hearing stories about your childhood and they just love that shit. That, that's why we keep doing it because people love it. They love hearing that. Then it's it's super interesting, and then it always correlates into everything you do later on, because these are basically it's like a, a linear journey of uh, the life of Lush One. <laughs> like it just all makes sense. That part, that part. There's there's definitely not a lack of color. I'll tell you that. But it's uh, I don't know. I heard a bunch of you talking. It's like regardless of the color, you're like what you've done for people, and and the way that like I even heard you say at one point that like. You know, you didn't rely on what your parents did. You made sure to branch out and make sure that you did it on your own and could prove that to yourself, etc. So, like, while there might be color, it's, like, the purest form of character that could come from that circumstances. It's almost unlike 99% of other people that would have had that upbringing. No, well, it's weird. Like, yeah, like, I, I really didn't like most of the... Because, like I said, I grew up with a, a diverse amount of people you know what i mean like from all walks of life just based on you know the the residential i came up in but most of like the other hollywood offspring that i was around i, I couldn't stand them and the thought of being the result of nepotism and getting advantages creatively and being like having more opportunities in uh glamorous fields as a result of just my DNA was the opposite of appealing to me. And like, you know, like at the end of the day, hip hop don't give a fuck. You feel me? Like, which nope. is the art form that I was drawn to, you know, from, from graffiti to MCing to DJing mm, and all that, wow. like at an early age, hip hop don't give a fuck who your, your parents are like, Oh, you're big pun son. Really? I don't give a fuck. You no disrespect to Chris river. I'm just saying you got to prove yourself as an yeah. individual or else I'm not trying to hear it. You know what I mean? Oh, right. your old dirty son. I don't give a fuck. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Puffy son. I really don't give a fuck. You feel me? No disrespect to any of them as individuals. Yeah. Cause like and, those and, are three even more. So like, if, like those are great examples, right? And you're, you were hitting on like some modern ones, but like back then, like, 
any time, right, in the culture, it would be like nobody cared if you were like, oh, I'm Donald Trump's son or I'm this yeah. rich person's son or that rich person's son. Like, hip-hop is just like, so? And? Like, right. this is this is hip-hop. We don't care about that. You got right. some bars? Like, can you rap? Can you dance? Can you can you break dance? Can you, like, DJ? Can you... Can you like you get up like what what what's going on here like what what do you do with those things and if you don't do with those things then we don't really care about who you are type shit like that's one hundred percent and I think it it was a combination of that mentality but really like you know I I got arrested for the first time when I was thirteen went to juvie when I was sixteen between sixteen and nineteen I was in nine different treatment centers you feel me uh been on my own since I was eighteen you know so moved up to the Bay Area I was nineteen and without support from my family in any right. regard financially or otherwise so I was like you know first place I lived was a motherfucking projects on thirty fifth and Souter over there in East Oakland like I didn't I got kicked out of a halfway house that I was in and from then it was cracking and um so like I based on my own poor life decisions and just the path that my life went on I didn't have any choice but to make it on my own really you know but if we uh, that's fair I just wanted to bring it up because I thought it was commendable because we are talking about all of this stuff where you're coming from and I just wanted to I just felt that it was worth pointing out that uh you know I appreciate you but um with regards to before we move on in your story, I did forget about graffitis and the visual arts. And I wanted to ask if you were a drawer, because you mentioned you did appreciate graffiti when you were young. Were you involved in that in any way as well? Well, that's where I got the one in my name. You feel me? Like I've been, I'm not like dope at all, but I, I would get up. I was a bomber. I was a tag banger. You know what I'm saying? Been, been from Tagger Crew since I was... 16 i've been writing since i was like 12 13 you know just drawing on shit getting up hitting bombing with streakers and shit i still got tags on the west side that have been running for decades you feel at, 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 let me tell you like this well if you grew up in la and i'm pretty sure dutch can uh or flacco could echo these sentiments for where he's from for show but if you grew up in la in the early to mid 90s and didn't have a hand style you're were an irrelevant human being. You had to know how to write, period. Yeah. So you yeah, know I mean? yeah. Back then, back then, everybody uh, had okay. to Let's like, pretend you had to. I got. I got to ask one of my questions here because yo, what's a hand style? Let's. I don't. We don't talk to a lot of people who are like, yeah, I used to bomb. That's not something yeah. that comes up a lot in my life. So a hand style is just like you writing your name in a fly way, graffiti style. Like mm-hmm. how you write your name is a hand style. Okay. And in graffiti, like everybody, technically speaking, has their own font. Like yeah. that's part of that's kind of part of graffiti. Like and part of like tagging up is like everybody has their own kind of like font way of like writing letters that is supposed to be distinctive to them and their like own style. So that's why like everybody would always like have a black book and like let everybody get their name in. And everybody could look at everybody else's styles and like, you know, it's kind of like a like a a, a a beginner's guide to like your neighborhood or your school's tags and, who, and who's what and how they how they write or how they get up. Yeah, that's signature. Like, it's your that's signature. Like it's like the same helpful. thing. 
every rapper got their own style, you know, rapping. Every every writer got their own style, you know, and uh, that's what a hand style is. So like, yeah, I had a fresh little hand style. I still rock it, you know. I'll still get, I'll still I'll still catch a little spot every once in a while. Like, my, I'm technically still from a hood. Like my crew be getting up all the time, you know. I'm fucking 39 years old, so like it's not really what the line I'm pushing, but you know, I'm still that's always gonna be a part of me. And uh, in LA, it's more than just like it was like a cross between graffiti and gangs like graffiti crews became gangs so that's why it's called tag banging it's like it's it's, it's different than regular graffiti i'll tell you like that fair enough which by the way though regular graffiti is kind of like that like that's everything like i always tell people like battling is like a part of hip-hop to its core because everything in hip-hop when it was born in hip hop, was born with the purpose of battling each other with it. You know, whether you were b-boying or you were like MCing or you were DJing, the DJs, it was all battles. Like it was all, you know, uh, jams in the park and the jams was battles between DJs and who had the bigger sound system and who had the better set and who had this and that, the better MC to rock the crowd, you know? And like the MCs rocking the crowd were essentially battling in the form back then of like who rocked the crowd better, you know? And then Period. like the graffiti artists were all like buffing each other and like yep. getting over each other, you know? And like, it was about like, nah, I'm gonna get my shit the highest up. And if your shit's there, then well, goodbye to you, you know? So like hip hop and battling kind of goes hand in hand, you know? A hundred percent. And like, yeah. and slashing each other's tags and shit like you're that's with literally yo not not even on a melodramatic shit in la like still and i'm pro probably in new york too that would lead to people getting smoked it would literally yeah. lead to people absolutely. getting smoked absolutely it's that yeah. serious yeah yeah i think that that one got more serious like than, than any of the other ones pretty fast like For early sure. on Graffiti got really dangerous really fast and like yeah did lead to deaths like early early on before like no that it that didn't really happen with the DJs and with the rappers nah. until later later on in the right. culture's life um, and b boys uh, either like b boys like if anything super were not about fighting like they were like. What? Like, I mean, yeah, exactly. You know it's what? Like I'm the... talking shit. Let me not disrespect the b boys. No, nah, but it's like the beat it video. You feel somebody. me? We all saw the beat it video. Come on, that's how they get They look like they finna squad, but you feel no, all up. I, I wish it was like that more with the other elements, but you know, shit. Look at drill music. That's where that shit went. Yeah, you feel me? Rappers yeah. really smoking each other nowadays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Nah, it's, it's bad. But yeah, you're. You're, you're absolutely right. And and tagging always did lead to, like, people's, like, lives being, like, ended over, like, just a tag. And it's just like, what the fuck? This is yeah, them fools, they're, 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 you're dealing with a lot of fools that were doing something that's technically hip-hop culture, but they didn't give a fuck about no hip-hop, you feel me? Facts. They, Facts. Like, that's doing... also the one element out of the four that I always say, like, they're the least actual, like, thing to do with hip-hop. Like, we just claimed them, and I, 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 you know what, I won't bust into my thesis about the elements, but, like, out of all the elements, the graph writers have always kind of been into, like, the rock, heavy metal type of Word. music, more so than yeah. they gave a fuck about any hip-hop or anything like that, Word. you know? And, like, even the ones that did listen to rap music, like, if you tagging in their hood, you feel me, like, 
they're, they're pushing the agenda of the Vardio at that point. It's got nothing to do with no, this is hip hop culture and I'm just getting up for, you know what I mean? Like, fuck the elements, fool. You're disrespecting the neighborhood. So yeah, it got, it, it, it got crazy, bro. But yeah, long, long winded answer to what is a hand style. Don't put nah. me and Flacco together. Like, nah, but this is really good though. Cause here's the thing for somebody like me, I realized early on, because I did album reviews for years, and you start getting quick on in the comments, bro, go Google your shit. So you start Googling your shit, and you find out you can't find anything. Like, really, where are you finding this stuff? There are forum board conversations where people argue about what a hand style is for 37, and you're like, this is useless. I don't know anything after reading all of this. So to hear a guy like Lush One, who is so seminally attached to so many different things, lay down from a perspective of being there and living through it it's just more concrete it's just like dope like we can make a whole clip out of this like lush one breaks down fucking hand styles and then everyone can just get that little synopsis from you and that's just amazing it bridges gaps dead homies is everything that we want to do with this shit so i appreciate you sharing any of this stuff like, I mean, there's like a gajillion people talking about all of your battle rap accolades, but how many people are talking about, like, I don't know this? I'm, I'm curious about Yeah, that. and it's funny because battle rap, like, is so, it's, it, it's not even a big part of my story to me. It just, it is in the sense of that's what so many people associate me with, but like, that it's, it's like just another footnote in my life as far as I'm concerned, but I, I it's, and, and that's not to downplay or battle rap at all because battle rap has done a lot. But to me, it's just a facet of hip hop culture, which has really like been, that's my religion. That's what I've lived. That's what I was raised in my entire life is hip hop and just battle battling before it was even referred to as battle rap. It was just like MC battling, which is just part of, doing hip-hop being hip-hop living hip-hop like so like now now it's like this whole other like adjacent subculture like um organism that feeds off of hip-hop and like kind of exists in its own separate ecosystem which is like which is cool um but to me that's that's not the that's not what i came up in and that's not what i care about to be honest with you honestly i listened to your album the fuck your last name album yeah i I, I knew it was that which is fucking crazy because it's like hymns and then it's dope it's a cool title i like (laughs) it a lot but i listened to it like really listen i was like yo this guy's telling me everything he cares about in his life but using it in a way to give lessons to people and shit so i was like nah if battle rap was mad significant it probably would have had like this whole track like you know but it didn't feel like it nah this was like you bringing it was so cool usually you don't listen to a person's album like that and walk away with a sense of nah i know who lush one is and i really yo like i really got that sense off of that you can go Hell watch yeah. the stream earlier where i was watching if you don't believe me but like for real it was such a well-constructed project and i was super the Thank sample you. uses every day so like to me it was like i was thinking about this too like as much as I, I like the battle rap elements, I actually, before I even check battles, I go check out the songs of everybody we talk to because that's way more, like, personally, that's my focus. Whereas I think um, Flacco's involvement in Grind Time and everything has him maybe more oriented to that part of the history. But, like, I'm more curious is how good an artist is he. And I'm like, Lush One's ridiculous. Holy. And I'm like, sharing hey. your shit. I'm like, yeah, no, oh. but that's why, that's why, that's why I rock out with you. That's why I fuck with you in the first place. It was that. It was the your ability to like listen to the music and actually try to like f- 
figure out the things that we're trying to do artistically. You know what I mean? So yeah, like, yeah. and and we definitely come from like a, a, a era of this battle rap shit where it was just like, <clears throat> we just were doing the things that you do as a like real hip hop hat, you know, which was just like, you're supposed to be able to freestyle. You're supposed to be able to cipher with other MCs. You're supposed to uh, be able to, you know, defend yourself if a battle just pops up and happens, which would happen at every cipher, you know, um, because somebody would just feel like you're talking to them. And then now you're like in a in a battle of your like rhymes, but like this is isn't what we were like uh, doing this for. We were doing one hundred percent. That was never that was never the, the goal. It was just yeah. like like you said, participating in the culture, earning stripes, paying dues, getting more recognition for the squad to put out more music and all that. And like, look, I told you a little bit about my life. Like I said, bro, like by the time I was 13, I'm already getting hemmed up by LAPD. You know what I'm saying? Like my homies out there get like getting caught up doing life. You know what I mean? Like getting shot at all this crazy shit happened to me such a young ass age. Like that's why I would be remiss to, to rap about rapping in any capacity. Like I feel like that would be depriving myself and the world of my true story and my true essence. Like, you know, like, yeah, I might've had a couple tracks like that when I was a teenager and shit, you feel me? Like, but nah, like that's, that's far from, you'll never hear me talking about that shit. And to me, I don't, you know, no disrespect to anybody's art, but I don't enjoy that content from other rappers and like none of the rappers I enjoy no music like you don't hear like um you know what I'm saying like you don't hear uh Chuck Berry making songs about his guitar you feel me like you don't hear like you know what I'm saying like Jimmy wasn't talking about like I'm a singer and I play the guitar you feel me like no nah, that's just whack you like what do you what do you have to say like what's who, what's your voice like what validates you what makes your experience unique and I think I, I I bring it back to like my whole style of my music the LA Noir audio cinema is a result of my upbringing in film because I equate music to films you know what I mean so it's like what if there's if this album was a movie what would it look like what would the aesthetic be like who are the characters and why would i want to watch it do you do you really want to see a movie about me making the album or do you want to see what the fuck you know what i mean like what went on like oh shit this fool's overdosing this fool's fucking uh, fucked over the plug and is hiding out in a motel room right now like that to me like shit i'd rather watch that i'd rather watch fucking uh goodfellas than um you know b uh, behind the behind the making of this fucking uh, Adam Levine album. You know what I'm saying? Like, I hear you. I know there is an audience for the behind the scenes things, uh, but I'm with you actually. But really like, I don't know what to expect half the time when like you go and listen to somebody's album for the first time. And it was the, I figured it was new. It deserved to get listened to. I checked your couple of music videos too, cause it popped up. They recommended me you at this point. It's like, okay, let's feed him battle rapper music. And I'm like, okay, YouTube, give it to me. And um, <laughs> so I clicked it and I'm like, holy shit. Like it wasn't like, a, it was like, wow. It was like, you could hear like a level of perfection in what you're creating that like really Really, honestly is better than a lot of shit i hear in the underground i'm talking at all levels of labels and shit i'm like holy fuck like i could i could find people to listen to this and they would be undeniable across the spectrum i'm i was like hell yeah it was like but you got 
all sorts of styles, whatever, whatever. Your music's good. That's that's really my. No, I appreciate you. Like, this is my it's, favorite it's for me. Like, and I just say that it caught me off guard about how good. Like, you you expect good. You don't expect like replayable movie good. Like it it was insane. I've listened to it twice today alone. That lot. You're, you're oh like, man, I'm humbled. Like, Thank you so much. Shouts to shouts to uh, you know what I'm saying MTL all day. You feel me? I still got my Delano the Shields throwback. You feel me? Expos baby. Um, Patrick Wild <laughs> broke my heart. You feel me? Beat the motherfucking LA Kings in the Stanley Cup. Still got love for him though. Um, look, I'm gonna tell you like this. Um, that means a lot to me. I truly appreciate your words. Uh, um, music transcends geographic, socioeconomic, and every other boundary. So to make that connection, that's what I strive for. And I, I lived a lot of life, and I felt a lot of pain, and I lost a lot. And uh, and and life done brought me to to my knees a lot. I feel like that my voice. You could just hear that. And I feel like that's why, if anything, people can resonate with it. Because I went through it. Not to say that, like, my music's all depressing and all that shit, because it's not. Like, but it's like what I went through a lot of life. And uh, I guess I guess I happened to put words together in the way where it, like, makes sense to people. But that, to, that didn't happen overnight, bro. It didn't. And it's by the grace of God, 100%. Well, I know is um just to give you some more credit in terms of how interesting you are as a person is I don't know if you remember who let me know is. Um, it's my dog, bro. I figured. I was but, gonna um, say shouts to Lemmy. That's my mantra. That's my folks right there. But um, so he sent me this day in the life video he shot with you because he was like, "You best watch." This oh shit. word. And so I watched this shit, and I'm like, "Yo, that is a busy day." And you're like, you guys don't even get it. This is like one tenth of whatever, whatever. And I'm like, hmm, I think I kind of have a teensy idea what he's talking about. Life can be mad complicated when you're the guy that's solving problems all day. And I'm like, so on top of everything else, with everything else you're doing in your world, you're a problem solver. And you make things happen. And I don't, I mean, to me, when I hear the battle rap part, I think that's why everybody's calling you a legend. Because you are the problem solver that got like everything dealt with. And I thought that was suit because it was like you, he's filming you fucking solve problems in real time. Like, oh, the fucking hotel, this guy and that shit. And you're like just dealing with it. Like, and I'm on hella drugs, too. I'm smacked that whole video. That's the crazy thing. We're partying. There's hella bitch. Like, that, that shit was a wild day. Like, but it was like, hey, that, that, that's, that, that's what it was like, dude. And uh, solving problems. Like, like, you know, again, I'll equate that. I think so much of things go back to my upbringing and just like at a certain point, like when you've already dealt, when I've, I've already dealt with being homeless, I've already dealt with the police and all. So it's not a big deal for me to fucking find a hotel room because John, John, the Don missed his flight. You know what I'm saying? Like, like things like that are, are super, super insignificant at a certain point because I really went through real life. I cheated death. You feel me? Like I'm five cats because I fucking have 45 lives. Fuck, mm. fuck nine. You feel me? So um, <laughs> it really wasn't. Um, so like doing things like that. And uh, also at the time, um, I'd never want to be an advocate for drug use because I'm not, and I'm 13 months clean and sober from all mind altering substances. But at the time, like my, my, arrogance my character defects my um, you know habitual dishonesty um and my drug use i feel like was like a cushion for me to do even better at that kind of stuff because i was ambitious to a point of 
negligence and disregard for my own personal health, safety, and um, the ramifications for those around me. I didn't care. I was finna do it. I was balls to the wall. Finna spend my and your last dollar making this shit happen because I thought something was cool. Mm. That is serious. That's lit, though. Thank but, you. <laughs> no, but like, you have to like think about it. The whole world requires people like that. Like, it requires it. Yeah. Like, I yeah. mean, everything you did, it, it, I mean, it came up while Durek was talking. He couldn't get through his story without Lashwan coming up. And I was like, oh, That's shit. That's my this, dog. This shit just kind of really does flow into it because Flacco's got this whole, like, story thing planned out that happened by accident, like he was saying, where it just feels like every interview has lined up in a way where the stories connect. And so it was like, mm, that just makes it perfect now. And then, um, I don't know, but let's, uh, let's go back to like, I have a, like a bit when you're younger. Cause I mean, we kind of just pivoted a lot because it was worth it. Um, but that's like, good. Uh, I did want to know, like when you started like actually taking music more seriously, I suppose, like, so you're in high school or whatever. And then I think you saw crisscross and I think that's as far as we really got with things with regards to crisscross i was like still like in fifth grade like high yeah, school high school that, that like, my bad yeah yeah high school like that's when um you know like just like fully immersed in hip-hop was you know selling drugs also boosting you feel me like running up in Macy's, grabbing a bunch of Tommy and Polo and Nautica gear, shit like that. You feel me? Not paying for it. It was like the Middle East, Iraq and Iran. You feel me? Um, so that's, <laughs> so was, that, that's how I was getting down. Um, too, on some, on some like, uh, like, like the, like on some the, low like, life shit. Yeah. Low life. Yeah. Yeah. Word. Okay. That's what's hundred percent on some low life shit. Yeah. 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 But it wasn't strictly Polo like that. We of were, we were not. going after the Tommy and the Nautica. You feel me? All that shit. Like, you know, DKNY was super fresh at the time. We yeah, yeah. All that. And then I was really into really into streetwear, too. Like, at the time, it was, like, Cybertech, Mecca USA, Rigo Sports. Yes. You feel me? Yes. Like, yes. Carl Kanai. It was, like, Fat Farm had a couple years, but then it got dummy played out. PNB yep. got dummy played out. But they were still, like, you know what I mean? Like, we were really – I was especially – really into all that shit super tough you feel me um nice. pepe jeans mark buchanan uh maurice malone mm -hmm. um, marquise richard all these all that shit super into it even a little bit of gucci you know what i mean shit like yeah. that if we're like yeah we're able to come back then it was, it was, still, it was already dapper dan had already made it that we was just like yeah what exactly. gucci like, louis mcm and yeah. those were like those were like pinnacle labels. Like it wasn't right, like the right. average Joe was like getting that. Like it was really no, and a lot of that shit was pretty much like considered Euro trash at the time in the nineties. You're seeing a bunch of like Euro okay. trash with the Fendi and the Louis. Like it wasn't super big, like for like in the streets at that time. But you know what I mean. And that logo shit went away in the eighties with yeah, that exactly. and them. Like after that, it wasn't really cool. Like my background. That wasn't like the wave in the nineties. Like no, it wasn't. Was really, it wasn't. Was really we like had the big like polo that. logos and the big yeah. you know, polo sport and Tommy and like and also being in LA, it was like you know like things. There's certain things in LA that will always be in style, and that's uh, Chuck Taylors, Vans, Nike Cortez, five hundred one jeans, and a, a flannel button up flannel. You feel me? Like so, that was definitely mm -hmm. like Dickies too, right? No, nope. Dickies, Dickies, absolutely. One thousand percent, you feel me? Yeah, that's that because that that definitely was khakis always, were like, big at the time. Yeah, for like show, I was bending. always looking at it like I remember like not being into 
um, the Cali like classic, the, a lot of the classic Cali looks, right? Yeah, yeah. Where it was like I fucked with the music, but I was like, yo, but they dressing weird. Like I'm not rocking that, you know. But For that sure. was, you know, that was in the '90s New York City. Like it would make sense for a teenage me to think like that, right? Because of course, we're on own, of course, we're on our own. I'm on my own swag. Uh, period. Where it was just like I'm not trying to look like nobody in my city. I'm not trying to look like uh, Cali either, you know. But like that definitely was one of those things where like I remember like saying no to Dickies because it had such a like classic Cali, you know, same as like the Cortezes to me, like where it was just like that's that classic Cali look, like some Dickies and Cortezes and like a a, a, a button down flannel shirt. It was yeah, like, and like you know. And I, and I was from a Mexican hood dating Mexican girls. So, of course, I had that on. But at the same yeah. time, I was super influenced by New York. People used to always say I was like, w- wished I was from New York, tried to dress like New York, listen to New York music. You feel me? Mob Deep, Wu-Tang, M.O.P., Capone and Noriega. That's like my D.I.T.C. That's like all I would listen to. You feel me? That was has, yeah. like I like that better. Of course, I would still be on DJ Quick, Dog Pound and shit like that. But it was really heavy East Coast influence at the time for me. And, you know, random shit from the South, UGK and Outkast. But really, I was super into New York. Always have been hugely inspired. Both my parents are from New York, too. My mom's from the Bronx. My dad's from Uptown. So it's like that's in my DNA. I spent visiting New York for a couple weeks of my life. Every year during the summertime, I was in New York, and that would be like so. A that that, that would explain why you know that that that's there because you spent it's time not. traveling. Because if you I was were, going to Doctor J's, Cotton Gear, yeah. But back then, nobody was back then traveling. The internet didn't exist, so traveling wasn't like that. Right, and you had to travel in order to get to know things. And so, like, really, like everywhere that you would go, things were regional. So, like, in Big New Orleans, time. wasn't nobody in New Orleans really listening to no mob deep. They were listening. Right. They were listening to, like, Baby Gangster and, and this and that. And, right. and, and And the UNLV and the, you know, whatever, right? right? But, like, that that's what you would do when you were from somewhere. Like, that's why places had their own sound, because everybody was on their region's shit. So, for you to be a person that was, like, Oh, I do my region shit. I listen to my region shit, but I also listen to other shit. Was like uh, a little bit more rare back then. And that can't, you're a hundred percent right. You feel me? Regionalism was way more like you know like. And I, I think there's a combination like we would get certain things from like watching the box. So then, you know, watching the box and MTV. So we would see like okay, crucial conflict. Chicago's hella fucking. Uh, Chicago's hella country, you feel me? Like, they had, like, we would see, like, Twister and Crucial Conflict and shit like that. And we would see, like, you feel me, Scarface in the South and all that, you know what I mean? But me going to uh, to New York and, like, copping Tim's on, uh, you know, uh, 182nd and St. Nick's, you feel me, when I'm, like, still in high school and shit, like, having those experiences... Like that was a huge, huge, highly impactful, highly impactful. My mom, my mom took me to Staten Island to the Wooware store when it first opened up in like 97. So, what? you know what I mean? Like, yeah, That's cool. he's super tight. So like, yeah. that, that was the first time, like, it wasn't until like a couple That's months cool. ago. That's cool. Wait, so hold on. Your mom was the one, like, were, you, were both your parents cool with you? Like, for listening to hip-hop, or was it like, 
dad, like you said, he was really busy with, with work and your mom really was just, you know, uh, accepting. They couldn't stop it at a certain point, but yeah, they, they were cool with it. You feel me? They were like, they understood like as crazy as it seemed to them. And stuff. once, like, I really, I, I pushed the culture on them because everything that they were being, you know, there'd be, this is the early nineties. They're being subjected to Tipper Gore, C. Dolores Tucker, steamrolling fucking rap albums, mm-hmm. parental advisory stickers. Like, you know, hip hop is destroying the community and all that shit. You feel me? Like it's yeah. crazy. Cause so, so my dad is a jazz musician. Debated. Like, I like you're the kid that was being talked yeah. about during those debates in like a more literal yeah. sense because you're 100 percent i was like the kid in cb4 whose fucking dad was the uh his dad was running for senator and he goes in fucking rapping the you know dropping n-bombs rapping the the words of the songs in his dad's office and he chooses to tur- turn it a campaign against hip-hop uh, people always used to say that kid was me which i thought was fucking hilarious um so no my dad was a jazz musician. His step-grandfather was a classical composer and conductor. So he him he would always tell my dad how jazz isn't real music. Classical is real music. All you guys are making noise. All that shit y'all doing, uh, it's not real music. Listen to motherfucking Tchaikovsky or whatever. That's real music, right? Mm. And then my dad would wound up saying to me, like, oh, drum machines, you feel me? Like, that shit, you're you're stealing other people's music, sampling, that shit's not music, you feel me? Like, it's the same fucking conversation. He wasn't even aware of the irony. At this point, they get it, you feel me? My mom loves Jay-Z and Kanye West, you feel me? And unfortunately, is a huge fan of Hamilton because, get this, it's a great quote by my dad. Hamilton is incredible because it's like they took hip-hop and mixed it with music. Which I think is fucking hilarious. <laughs> but like, no, but they, they they're hip now. But yeah, at the time, like I was always playing that in my, you know, my I'd be with my mom. She's driving me to practice or this or that, and I got woo in the car. You feel me, ODB, method, and, and all that. And uh, so she was like, and and I don't know. I told her there's a store. It's called Woo Wear. We were in New York. She wound up mobbing me all the way. We actually went from Manhattan across through Brooklyn to across the Verrazano. Like we didn't take the ferry because the um because you know the the hood in, in Staten Island is on the North Shore. The South Shore is all like the racist Guidos and the Italian motherfuckers, right? That's like so that whole side of town where Stapleton is at and Park Hill is at where the like that's on the other side. So you have to go it's easier to get there. Go, driving across the Verrazano, basically. So we did that. It was crazy um, getting to go to the WooWare store, you know. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, I, I, I always was heavily influenced by that. But at, at the time, like, when I'm in high school and I started rapping and I'm battling kids and all that shit, and it's funny because the dude that really encouraged me to start rapping, because I, I kind of started a rumor in high school that I could rap before I really could. I was writing and shit, but I never really, I never really rapped out loud. So like everyone, and there was kids that rapped in my school that were dope. Some of them were gangbangers and some of them were like real, like on some like underground hip hop, like 90s shit. There's some dope MCs in my high school, right? And uh, there's this one dude, right? He was a basketball star. His name was Cash, Cash Warren and Cash, this dude's the GOAT because what did he wind up doing when he grew up? He wound up getting married to and impregnating and having kids with Jessica Alba. 
You feel me? So he like, you know what I mean? He to, come on, bro. Come on. I know, Pleasure. I know Dutch. I know Dutch ain't even into the Latinas like that, but Jessica motherfucking Alba, bro. Alba. No, 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 no. Jessica Alba was fine. Jessica Alba Come was on fine. now, bro. Fuck back then. You yeah. feel me? That's yeah. a day pass. Yeah, Any yeah. relationship. That's a day pass. Yeah. She, she, <laughs> she, um, Jessica Alba. So this dude wound up and he's still with Jessica Alba. But at the time, Cash found out that I rapped and he was like encouraging, like, yo, Nick, let me hear something, Nicky. Let me hear something. Da, 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 and put me on blast. And it was like, this is, I was a freshman in high school. This dude's like, you know, a senior, mo- one of the most popular kids in the school. So I was like, fuck it. You feel me? I get it on the mic and then I start spitting. You feel me? Like he brought it out of me. Like, cause I just wanted to impress him and all the girls he had around and that from then on, it was, it was cracking. And, um, but my ambitions, because my life got so crazy, like I said, I wound up getting locked up not too long after that in and out of treatment centers, expelled from two different schools. Like my family don't know what the hell to do with me. You know what I'm saying? Um, so I didn't really have ambitions of surviving or living a long life thought for sure I was going to die young, didn't care how, was just flying off the handle every day, doing the most I possibly could. And my only ambition was like, yo, I want to be like, make rap songs that people think are dope. I want, I'm going to rap on a stage and people are going to think that's dope. You feel me? Like, and that's all I cared about, period. Mm. And then that that snowballed to me, you know, when I moved to the Bay Area in 2001, I was 19 years old and, you know, uh, started rapping more and more and more, started recording myself, putting out little four track tapes, selling them on the block in front of the record store and all that shit. And then linking up with other little rappers, forming crews. And then it just all blew up from there. That's it. There's a lot that happened after it blew up, though. That, you know, yeah, hella much, but um, hella much, yeah. So, but it's all been like everything has been a victory lap for me. This has all been icing on the cake because I was the kid that thought I wasn't finna make it past 20 because I was so reckless and everybody thought I was just a menace and didn't was like, you know, didn't really have a place anywhere. So I was like, and then like the fact that like, oh, wow, people do think I'm dope at rapping. They are bumping my music. Oh, I'm doing this. I'm doing that. Blah, 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 blah. Next thing I know, I got a fucking platinum plaque in France. But I didn't like shit. Any of that. I could have died 15 years before that. You know what I mean? Like all this shit that's happening now, I got people in motherfucking Montreal slapping my music that think that shit is fire. And I'm on a podcast getting interviewed by with a bunch of people like from all over and EO dub this amazing institution in hip hop that I look up to so much, like acknowledging me like, Whoa, like I've already, this is so, this is the, the sprinkles on top of the icing on top of the cake. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause it was not supposed to happen. I feel the same exact way. Big facts, B. Like it was not. It was not supposed to be. It was not so. I'm. I'm super happy with everything. That's why, like, when I see uh, some of our peers and they're like unhappy, like, and I feel like they like achieved maybe more than me. You know, right. I'm just like, man, that's unfortunate, bro. Like, you should really appreciate what you got to do because, like, there's a lot of people out here that they've done stuff and they they've, they've never earned a dollar a dirty dime from like doing anything with this. So like for the fact that you even make a dollar or make a dime or have one fan, have a hundred fans, like you should be like super appreciative. Like I know I am, you know, 
And I know that I've always gotten that same sentiment from you. You know what I mean? Like you're really Hell happy. yeah. Like I remember when we were <clears throat> story time. I remember Must when it. we were I remember when we were um in the middle of I'm gonna fast forward into Luscious story a little bit, right? When we were on stage at um Rock the Bells. Uh, Rock the Bells, um, New York City stop. And um, that year, uh, they had like four different stages going. And it was like a main stage that was, who was it that they had? Armored Ghost and Raekwon, uh, Immortal Technique. Uh... I, I know, because we, I, I think Immortal Technique had the other stage, right? He had the like indie, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, indie yeah. stage. And then Mob uh, Deep, Wu it was Mob Deep. Wu-Tang had the Wu-Tang stage, and then we were in between their stage with, like, the grind time stage, with, like, the little yeah. grind time stage and shit, yeah. you know? But, like, there was, like, a lot of love in the air for what we were doing, you know, at the time. And, like, I remember when we were there, Lush was, like, just really happy. Like, a lot of people at that time, like, uh, grind time was, like, a little, you know, um, maybe, like, not... Um, and we were having a lot of hiccups, I think, as a fa as a whole company and family. You know what I mean? Hell yeah! Um, and it was and, up uh, right then. Yeah, it was it was a little bit of a wreck back then. <laughs> and but yo, like regardless of that, and regardless of all the drama that was happening everywhere, like you were really genuinely happy. Like you were happy to be there. You were happy um, um, doing what you were doing. Like you were just genuinely happy. And like I remember, like. Uh, enjoying that and gravitating to that because of that, you know, like to me, I'm a little bit more like happy as well, like happy go lucky yeah, this, bro. Shit, this shit, like yo, I'm really like happy that I get to do this shit. I'm happy to fucking like to 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 ever be able to get rock, you know, and and people and people to listen and hear. So it's like, what we're on stage? Bro, I'm, like, I'm right. Yeah, I'm rapping on stage with PH and Poison Pen. Fucking Ghostface is right over there, and fucking right over there. Havoc and Prodigy, and like, what the fuck? This what? is the tightest. Yeah, it was, it was tight as fuck. Yeah, yeah. you feel me? I do. Like to me, it's like incredible just to hear that. Like I'm, I'm, I'm in a position where like nothing is like that's really gone down so much. So like hearing just that experience, it's like, damn, that's so cool. Like to me, that's as cool as like. That's the thing for me is I talk to everybody here, and it's like everybody's stories are just as cool to me. Like everybody's Word. got these really cool stories, and that's where like I'm not really worried. I mean, you're lush one, you're totally a legend. You your accolades are ridiculous, but at the end of the day, you're also a dude who just is a person and and does person things, and that's also cool. And therefore, it's like, you know, everybody. Except for I, I don't poo. I never have. <laughs> listen, listen. I don't know how to look. No, nah, but you know what? You. I can't say yes or no. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna tell you this. I want to be a voice because what you said is right, bro. I'm one of us, and who us is is the genuine people that just have a passion that that always wanted to be able to live their dreams and mm. even when it's scary as fuck that that took that jump off the fucking ledge and uh didn't know if his wings were gonna fucking sprout or not and hit a bunch of fucking rocks on the way down and then right before i splat on the bottom boom my wings just appeared and i fucking ascended so i'm one of us bro so i want to be a voice for everybody that Yo, thinks that, that kind of shit is cool 
So like I saw I saw this interview clip that I thought was mad nifty, and I think it might be cool to just touch on it because some some parts of your life are like you just witness shit that again is hard to Google. Something like you were 13, 14, taking bus rides over to witness some shows or another and consume this shit as some one white guy in the room watching a bunch of culture and that led up to you feeling like you had a voice that um, represented a group of people that needed to be represented. Word. Everything about that was super interesting and I'm like, I have no idea what the fuck he's talking about and I've never ever, people don't expand on that kind of shit. So I was hoping you could just expand on that like what that was like what you were doing what was happening and bubbling in the air that led to you feeling like you needed to have that voice well um so at, at the time like la is a is one of the most culturally diverse cities in the world but it still is to an extent and definitely back then was actually very segregated like way more so than a lot of big cities are, you know, like New York is not as set. You, you see all different, you know, blacks and Puerto Ricans and Dominicans are all together. Always. You'll see different races. All, all sprinkled in the mix. Eastern Europeans. Now you like LA is very segregated. Like the West side of town, predominantly white East side of town, predominantly Latino south central predominantly black and like that's just the base and and just to just further com compound that on, on that um and expand on that concept like it's separated by specific very idiot very idiosyncratic specific ethnicities so where like we have little armenia japan town uh philippine town you know what i mean like Every single countries you've never even heard of. We little Tehran, you know, like every single area had um, country has like a geographic representation of the soil of LA, and they're all separated to an extent. It's kind of like creepy when you think about it. Like it's inclusive but separate. Um, so you really wouldn't see that many uh, white people, especially at that time. You know, this is like there's the the height of racial tension. This is right on the heels of the the Rodney King riots, 1992. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and all that shit was going on. Like, white people were getting fucking, like, if you if a white person got caught slipping in South Central, they'd get the shit kicked out of them. Just like before that, you know, when black people would get caught in white neighborhoods, racist white people were mobbing on them. That's what led to the formation of the Black Panther Party and. Bloods and Crips and all that shit to begin with. You, there never would have been gangs if it wasn't for racist white people, 100%. That was literally a response to corrupt police, racist white people. That's what that was. And you know, the Black Panthers started in Oakland and then came down to LA shortly after. And then uh, when they got somewhat disenfranchised for a while, what birthed from them were Crips and Bloods. And, um, you know, same thing with in the Latino communities with the with the car clubs and the Pachucos turning into, you know, fools that were protecting their neighborhood and, you know, gangbangers out there, you know, Vario, Cholos. So it, it was uh, the same thing. So, like, you didn't really see white people going over into them sections, but I was in love with hip hop and they didn't really have hip hop in the West side at the time like that. There was punk rock and shit, but there was no real, like the hip hop that I was influenced by the club. I would have to take a few buses, go to Lamert and 43rd over there, down Crenshaw, you feel me, South Central LA, which is, uh, you know, it's a, it's a crip neighborhood for your information, by the way. But um, over there, like I would go over there to this place called Project Blowed and watch um, 
and watch these dudes emceeing and watch the culture growing before my eyes. Some of the dopest rappers in the entire world, freestyling, battling and all that. There was no white people around whatsoever. And uh, I, at first I got a couple of looks, but then, but then like, you know, it, it was on some show and proof shit. And I think the reason why people weren't resistant to me and I never really got pressed like that, like, you know, a, a couple of times, but nothing too. they'll press anybody that's not from there going over there trying to be a part of hip hop. Like, who are you? What you doing? Where are you from? But like, I didn't really like, it wasn't like, hey, yo, get the fuck out of here, white boy. It wasn't, I never got that energy because I never, I wasn't walking around with my chest out trying to look hard and I wasn't afraid. And so much of the root of racism and prejudice and all that is based on fear of the unknown, a fear of what you don't understand. And I wasn't afraid. I just wasn't afraid. I'd been around black folks my whole life. I'd been around Latinos my whole life. And like, and even when I'm completely outnumbered, it wasn't like no thing to me. It was like, these are all hip hoppers. And we're all coming together. We're like one nation at that point. And that's what it felt like. And uh, that's, and, and yeah, I felt like I needed to be a voice for everybody else that wanted to be a part of this thing that didn't really, you know, that wasn't really my whole neighborhood never really had a voice. There was never really, LA has so many rappers from all the different sections of it, but there, there's barely any fools from the West side. And, you know, there's a couple, you know, like Evidence grew up near me. Uh, the Alchemist grew up near me. Um, you know what I mean? The, uh, uh, people Under the Stairs. And now, you know, like Blueface, there's other like gangster rappers that popped off that grew up in my same area and shit. But like, there really wasn't that many voices at all that were talking about the lifestyle of growing up in West LA, tag banging, all that shit. So I wanted to be the voice for that and to put that culture on blast. So that's kind of what, um, that's like the angle I always took in my music to this day. Um, yo, that, that's, that's like, it's so interesting to hear all that. Cause honestly, I never would have thought about anything like the, the, the segregation of it. I, I knew LA was not what the movies taught me and it looks not, it's not that, but like, I don't really know what it looks like. I've looked at like Google maps and that's as far as it goes, you know, like, um, palm so trees with graffiti on the side of them. You feel me? I mean, sure. I, I'm picturing that now, but it's more the way you describe the the separation of it is really interesting to me because Montreal is a lot more like New York. It's it's like everything is kind of built around downtown, and then it just kind of extends out from there is what it feels like. So it's more like you see everybody everywhere, no matter where you're at in the city. So just that idea of segregation like that is is huge. I never even I didn't know it was like that. It was designed that way. There, you know, the concepts of redlining, like they like really. There were laws, and it wasn't until after World War II that um, Black and Latino people weren't even allowed to own land in Los Angeles past certain lines. And the only reason they did it, like, they, they allowed Latinos to move into four different neighborhoods in West L.A., um, Pico and 17th Street in Santa Monica, uh, Pico and Sotel, where I grew up in West L.A., uh, um, the... Um, Mar Vista Gardens projects area in Culver City and uh, and Lincoln and Rose in Venice and they called those areas quote unquote designated servant zones because like they that's where the Latino community that were wind up you know working in positions like being gardeners being um, you know mechanics you know cleaning the the the, pe the white people's houses and shit that's why they allowed people to even integrate in those areas it's a fucked up fact but that's some shit people need to know you know I agree 
No, it's, it's, it's really glad that we're talking about this kind of stuff. Like, I went on this journey to try to learn a bit more about the systemic racism issues and the history behind it. And I think that goes under the whole redlining tactics generalized idea of where they were. Period. Like, like I, I got a line in my song, uh, Everwest 310, where I talk about all this shit, the gentrification of West L.A. and all that. Put out the record in 2010, actually, uh, the single. And then the, then the album dropped out, dropped Gold Bricks in the Wall in 2011. And I have a line where I talk about that exact concept. I said, in a hood classified as designated servant zone before they gentrified it for broke actors when their work was slow. Because that's what fucking happened. You feel me? Like, it wanted, like, so they created this area as a designated servant zone. And then what wound up happening, because Latino people are beautiful, prosperous people, they've made amazing communities in these areas with a lot of culture and a lot of innovation and, and beautiful areas. And they made it a lot nicer. And then what wound up happening, you got fucking there's more of a demand to move into those places because Hollywood, Beverly Hills and all that shit's too expensive. So what winds up happening? All like, you know, all these aspiring actors and other white folks start moving into these hoods and forcing these Latino communities out mm -hmm. down to Inglewood, out to the east side. It, out starts, to the it starts with all that, with all the, you know, what's not far from Hollywood, right. but like really nice is like X, Y, and Z neighborhood. And it's like, right. yeah, that's like our neighborhood. That's where we live so that we can get to the cities to be able to do the jobs that you need doing so right. that the city can thrive. Like, you know, that's why like I got offended when like the pandemic hits and like the people are leaving and like this like doofus writer makes like an article like New York City is dead. Like what? Wait, no, it's coming you, back to life, what you, actually. What are you, yeah. you talking? Yeah, like, if anything, like, this is, like, the greatest time ever in New York City. <laughs> yeah. like, you guys are gone, and, like, all the, like, actual natives are, like, happy, and, like, we're fine. Like, the city's gonna be fine. Like, And what building... do you know? New York City hip-hop winds up becoming the most popping it's been in over a decade as a real isn't that a crazy coincidence right like, oh, i didn't even i didn't even yo that's big that's a big time that's... knowledge nugget so you're saying all you the people me? that were like not okay so the city shuts down and kind of naturalizes again because a lot of people decide to leave and go to other places and it kind of lets the city do its thing in a way that it hasn't been able to do because of external influences Yo, that's a that's like one of those things that everybody in their own cities needs to not go and look and you know pay attention to because that could be huge for a lot of people's cities just to watch that yeah. trend. Pay attention. Yeah, that's like why that. I went so hard with the Liddy Bros that year. That, that and you killed year. it. That shit's amazing. Like, yo, this, so like my city is my city's open. Like what? Like we gonna party in Central Park, bro? Like, right. Where the tourists be at? You know what I mean? Like we gonna pop champagne on the corner of Cat's Delicatessen. Like we go, right. we gonna mob down Madison Avenue. Like what? Like who's gonna tell us what? Like the cops is busy, and then the cops was getting offended about like us telling them to stop killing us, and they were like, "Well, how about we stop doing our job?" And we were like, "Okay, cool, cool, <laughs> fire." Like, sounds good to us. Like not like word. like we'll be all right. Like there, there's and and there was no like they they were they were so upset and bothered by the fact that like. There was no real crime like that. They started to having to report bullshit crime and like right. inspect for every little thing, you know, to like be like, oh, there was a murder over here though. And it's like, yeah, that's not even like 
that's not even like related to like anything. It's just like random murders that happen everywhere at all times. You know what I mean? Like, it's not like, oh, the city knows that like the cops are gone and like now we're going murder crazy. Like, no, that's not happening. So like, what do you, you know, like, and yeah. New York feels like New York again. And it didn't for a yeah. long time. And when I go to New York now and I low key feel like, borderline a little bit threatened walking down to the streets of Brooklyn that makes my that warms my heart like I yeah, want that exactly. I shouldn't feel so safe walking yeah. through fucking East New York you know what I mean like yeah. I shouldn't yeah. feel safe walking through Flatbush like that you know what I mean yeah. like but now it's it's going back to and to me that's a sign of the people reclaiming their city which is the way it's supposed yeah. to you know but and and the same thing for like out there you know like those same thing in LA. They belong to those those actors, you know, like right. they belong right. to those people, you know. They and made like, those like it, it was so like in LA, it got so deep. What wound up happening is because the the real estate companies want to keep that real estate as appealing as possible. Like, cause we're the West side of town. We're close to the beach. You feel me? And like, there are these people that are living in rent controlled places that they can sell for millions of dollars. You know what I mean? That they're not fucking those families, you know, someone's abuelita lives there. They're not fucking finna move. You know what I mean? Like that's going to be in the family forever. And um, the, the real estate companies would, would do their thing to keep, the crime re reports of the crime down so like there's still shit going down but it's not even making the news and affecting the crime rates because they want to make sure that they're still able to have these immaculate statistics and get the most bang for their buck when they're reselling the properties so it was like L la was grimy as far as like the that the whole gentrification situation and it's definitely something that's been a you know I, I touch on it on the new album to an extent as well like i've made several records touching on that and it's just like an undertone of what I, because you know i grew up in in la which is still there but you got to look under a microscope to find it. Like my, the West LA that I grew up in is very, very different. Like, you know what I mean? Like you would see there'd be like a nice ass block, but then you see like an essay on the corner, like casting an authoritative stare down the Avenue posted outside of a low rider. And like that whole element, like now you got to really look for it to even know that still exists on my side of town, but that's the culture. That's the people. And that needs to still, um, People need to realize that there's nothing to be afraid of. It's not like these people, these aren't just criminals. These are just, these are the people adding flavor and culture and vibrancy to the neighborhood to even make it what it is. That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, that was big too. All of that was big. Yo, you're dropping big time knowledge nuggets on us for real. Um, yo, is it all right with you if I just take a quick pee break? And then Flacco can hold it down for a quick second. And I'll be No, you're good, man. Fresh. Thank you so much. You're good. I don't know what yeah, it feels like because I've never peed before. But. <laughs> <laughs> so, yo, so um, around that time, what was it that was like when you were, what were, what were, what, what, what era are we talking about now? Like um, you're in high school. So like, what is it that you was rocking to? Like, what were you listening to? Like, what was, like, influencing the fuck out of you? Dude, like, like, really, like, you know, like I said, like, that, that real, I, I loved 
really gutter New York rap music more than anything. Like, like it was a combination of like, I, 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 it was a combination of like the gangster rap of the West, but I really, nothing really resonated more with me than like the most gutterest New York shit that I could possibly find. And that was like, to this day, like that aesthetic is in my music. And even when I've explored other styles and I've gone all different directions, you know, flip, because I like to be creative and be outside the box. Like nothing matches my aesthetic as an artist more than that you know what i mean and, and like if you listen to my music what i'll talk about is very like specific things to la the slang that i'm using the way that i'm presenting it but it's in the context of you know grimy new york hip-hop that's always people a lot of the people that weren't familiar with me that interviewed me they were first of all a hell of surprised i was white but really surprised that I wasn't from New York hearing my music. I was like, do you hear what I'm saying? Like I pronounce my R's, you know what I mean? I'm not trying, <laughs> I don't say son, you feel me? Like I pronounce my R's. I'm very like, I bang the section super tough and yeah. like speak about certain things like, you know, like home invasion, flocking, breaking into cars, bipping, like things that don't really aren't necessarily like big problems in New York, but are epidemics in the streets of LA. Like that's the type of shit I rap about. But um, so yeah, like, but, but that New York has always been a huge influence on me. And then, you know, I've had phases where like, I wasn't even jacking hip hop to that extent. Like I was, you feel me? Like I, I went through a, a huge phase later in high school when I was fucking gothic bitches and I was like listening to hella Nine Inch Nails and industrial music and super what? heavy on the punk rock and like dude so I've gone all over the place you know what I mean like I was like had a whole phase where I'm just like posted up with the rosters like listening to Roots Reggae you feel me Peter Tosh and all that all day long and the, and the Abyssinians and you feel me uh, like all that kind of shit so it's like I, I was very very eclectic human being from the jump street. Lee Scratch yeah. Perry, all that shit. I can empathize. I was always yeah, you the all same. over the That's place. That's why I was all over the place with, with my taste. Like I was always like I would go through phases, you know? I would I would also go through phases with like I would like do it like with like fashion and with like uh music at the same time almost, you know? Like I'd be like, yo, this year I'm rocking X, Y, and Z all the time, you know? And like that's like this or you know like i'm 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 going preppy this whole year Word. or like i'm i'm going i'm going like grease and i'm going to be yeah. i'm just be rocking tight t-shirts with a pack of cigarettes rolled into my teeth you know what i mean and just like this is this is my look for this whole summer and shit and then like that like kind of leads into the rest of the year until the next summer comes around and like with that would be like these tastes like swing these uh swings in musical taste you know where it's just like, yo, now I'm just like listening to like a lot of fucking uh, Maroon Five and shit, like. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I would be that. That shit would. Yeah, it's always a the fashion. Fashion's always been just a prevailing influence in my life, um, and I don't know. I, just, I feel like it's just another way, just like writing on walls, just like using your voice to express it. The way you look, the way you know your style. That's like it's just whatever way I could possibly make myself unique and stand out in the in the you know NBA 2K creator created player version of myself in real life. I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put tattoos all over my body. I'm gonna put piercings. You feel oh there's more ways for me to I could have diamonds attached to me. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm always was into doing shit like that. And uh fashion is is everything. 
really clothes or everything. I don't even, it's not even about, because I feel like fashion like connotates like an industry behind it. For me, it's just like being fly, you know what I mean? Yeah. So more than fashion. Like style. Style is more. Style. Like, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Keys. It's your personal style too. Mm, exactly. I love that. Individuality. I like how like you're, you're like, you really like created a brand out of like yourself. Like to the to Word, max, you. like every part of your character and soul. So like, yeah, I, I I have a question, right? You're in the Bay Area and you're getting into rapping. And what is a hyphy movement exactly? I don't really understand. Hyphy movement was lit. It was like some of the most fun I've ever had in my life to this day. Hyphy movement, like so uh, the Bay Area, I feel like as much as, you know, I'm born and raised in L.A., but the Bay Area is where I've learned the most of anywhere that I've ever been. It's where I got, like, just like Pac said, you feel me? I got my game from Oakland. I got my game. And I feel like my personality and just, like, the freedom that I emanated and my whole vibe and just down-to-earth nature of who I was was always more in tune with the Bay Area. And uh, although, like, me being an entrepreneuring spirit and just a little bit more aggressive and, um, you know... Uh, quick on my feet and quick thinker because I'm from a big city. You feel me? I'm from LA. So I was able to cross-reference those two styles in that game between LA and the Bay and it made me thrive in both in environments like bringing my LA energy to the Bay and bringing my Bay vibes. Yeah, you know my, what? my LA hustle to the Bay and my Bay energy to LA and that made me I can like tell you from the outside looking in, I definitely got that. Like, I definitely yeah. saw that. Like, I'm always, like, I remember seeing those battles back then like um them early days and um well not even the early days like once things were in full swing once i was participating right because like Word. my time was around for like a couple seasons before i even got there you know what i mean like when i got there it was like things were already starting to shift like the whole standings thing and uh 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 like the top tiers and and the, like the promises of getting paid after x amount of like battles like those things were kind of going out the window and like a uh, new thing was like happening and like you guys when y'all had all them fucking graphics above your heads you know and like you seeing you and um uh damn yo i fucking plex like, what's it i'm sorry plex yeah you and plex seeing you and plex together i'd be like yo they are so like they like that's yeah. like what like i felt like I felt like you guys were like the physical representation of the Bay in my mind when I Word. saw y'all. Like, like, but to find out that you were from LA was just yeah. like, you know, but like that, that uh, connection and for you to be able to make that connection, I think is what like probably was like the uh, main reason that the whole Fresh Coast movement and Grind Time probably was so successful. You know what I mean? Because no, absolutely. And, um, so, and, and just to answer the uh, the original question, like the hyphy movement pretty much was, you know, the style of the whole lifestyle of the Bay Area in from the years like 2003 to 2008. And that's, you know, when I, I lived in the Bay from 2001 to 2013. So I was back and forth all the time, but I lived in the Bay, Oakland, like really like put me up on a lot of game. And so just the style of music, 
the style of fashion, um, the language, the just the game, the whole entire lifestyle, the the, the way fools were getting money in the streets, the the independent grind, like the 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 flamboyant, like you feel me, energy and dance moves, and like really like expressive. Uh, speech that's outside the box and uh it was kind of like a coded language you had to break down and if you weren't hip you had no we, we could be having full-blown coherent conversations right in front of you and you'd have no idea what the fuck we're talking about you feel me like like oh them rollers just live by the creative like what what do you just say you feel me like you wouldn't even know what the fuck we talking about you know what i'm saying very like, much so i know that like i know that i know that uh holder might not be familiar but like that's something that i always looked at with a lot of respect um the bay area just was like it reminds me of like new york city attitude when it comes to like yo we can't be saying the same shit anybody else is saying Word. like we gotta be we gotta be so original with our slang that like everybody's just like word what's what's that what's that that you said you know type of shit like nothing like you couldn't like you were always trying to rename things and like and, right. and 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 like just make something completely original out of the thing that is your everyday uh uh verbiage because you wanted to have like an original slang and i see that in the bay area heavy from all the rappers to like and the, we and we would take words that were already slang and add other letters to them to make them even more you feel me like um like um, I got my I got my bunters on because my windows on nuts so like my eyes look hella crazy because I'm on X pills right now so I have my big sunglasses on that's like what that meant you but you wouldn't know what the fuck that it was our language was so crazy and me always being just a big fan of creative speech was super drawn to it and you know I lived in East Oakland uh, during the height of this and my brother Plex, who was in my first real rap group, Delinquent Monastery, Delmont Crew, and my brother Ajax, they're both born and raised in East Oakland. You feel me? So like that we were we were living that lifestyle. And that's just the that's what it was. And then at, around the time the, the battle rap thing popped off. That was like we and we already like, you know, as Delmont Crew, we were doing our thing super tough musically. Um we were in Herb magazine, which was like the one of the biggest alternative uh hip-hop and dance music publications in history and they had this thing called the next 100 we were like in their next 100 that was like the same time like diplo and wiz khalifa were in it you know what i'm saying like Oof. as like the next 100 artists blow up we did a whole industry showcase at just us headlined our own industry showcase in, in hollywood at the house of blues for every single label they're all like we're we're like universal trying to sign us all these different labels and then around that time the battle rap shit started kind of going crazy for me and uh we wound up you know grind time was birthed at that time and i wound up linking up with them fools and um it got super like so we that's a, a, was a snapshot into what we were doing culturally at that time so the first real glimpse people had of me or any of us is was like the tail end of that hyphy shit so people really got to see us and our element and people like it was like really odd i don't think people knew how to decipher it like these fools are fucking weird they dress crazy like their jewelry's crazy they have you know who's this white boy with gold teeth and pink sunglasses on like it didn't there is no like uh there is no like cultural uh reference that made sense they couldn't they didn't know how to like 
take me when when people first saw me they were like like the bay area version of lush especially they're like who is this fool is he genuine is this really how he is or is this just an affectation like they people did not know how to take me i was very very polarizing like it took a long time for me to get to where i am now where people generally perceive me in a genuine and positive way because especially at that time i'm all i'm all fucked up on hella drugs people are like what is up with this boy right here but it made people hate me but it made people love me too yeah that's big man i listened to part of the double dragon mixtape today oh what my boy went back he went bite well i mean it just made i was curious I mean, it's just kind of what it is. I get curious, and I, I care a lot about the musical journeys a lot more, like than the other stuff. I mean, I care a lot about grind time, and we we gotta talk about that for sure. At least the starting point, because it's super nifty that you're involved in the inception of something like that. It just has to be documented a bit. But like the part that you like, is I was listening to it, and I kind of got fascinated by E40 sound for a minute, and I think the RBL Posse is also a super fascinating group. So like in Fire. general, like yo, like you can take like Bay Area music from almost any time in history and eyeball it, and it's like fucking weird that you can do that so eloquently, regardless of when it comes out, at least in the hip hop part, and it always sounds blessed. Like, like E Forty can re-release the same album a hundred times, and you still want to listen to it, even though you know exactly kind of what it's going to be a little bit. But like at least to me, you probably get all those nuanced differences with updated slangs and all sorts of shit. I don't understand. But to me, it's just like the sound of it, the overall vibe of it. Like, it's just so amazing to listen to all the time. It's it's funky. You know, that's the thing. Like, the, the bays always have the funk. I feel like every region, I've said this before in other contexts, but every single region where hip-hop exists is a reflection of the, mu of the other music that that yeah, region was known yes, for. So yes. it, it's, it's a reflection of that. <laughs> And it's a reflection of the method of consumption of that music. Let me give you some examples, right? So let's talk about New York. New York, huge history with jazz music. What do you mm -hmm. have? You had a bunch of music with jazz samples. It was throwing Ooh, back jazz. Jazzy, you feel me? Uh, like Tribe Called Quest, Pete Rock Tribe and CL Quest. Smooth. You, and yeah, even like yeah. yeah, and even like the, you know, more harder edged music, like you still hear nuances of jazz through it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like Rock Black Kim, Moon, all that G shit. G-Rap, K-Rap, big time. Everybody had like some, some jazz tinge in there somewhere, thrown in there. And people were listening to music on um, boom boxes, you feel me, on the corners. Not everybody has a car in New York, you feel me? The motherfuckers are walking around with the boom boxes. Boom boxes don't have as much capacity for bass, but the drums smack hella hard. So you have loud drums, jazz music, that's New York. West Coast, we had dance parties, roller rinks, you feel me, like Bay Area included, LA included, like dance parties, roller rinks, funk music, it's all about the funk. So what do you hear in our music? You hear funk, DJ Quick, you feel me, you hear the mm. funk, Dr. Dre, you hear the funk, gangster rap, G-Funk, you hear the funk, Bay Area mob music, funk in the trunk, that's it. Where is music primarily listened to? Cars, everybody's got fucking old schools mobbing around, so it's very bass heavy music. Boom. Okay. Let's take a look at the South. What's the prevailing 
um, musical influence of the South. Well, they have a huge marching band culture, which has always been there. You see, you filming military marching bands. Like, so what do you, what does the music sound like? You hear all these hyper-paced drums, you know what I'm saying? Like Love soulful it. elements and hyper-paced drums and, and which is like echoing the motherfucking snare and uh, hi-hat rattles that you hear. And where do people to listen to music in the South? The motherfucking strip club. So it's hella bassy and it has that tempo that bitches can dance to. Boom. Midwest. What's over in the Midwest? It's the country. You feel me? It's country music. It's like, it's bouncy. You know what I mean? Because the blues comes from there. Country comes from there. You hear that in the music. Twista, Nelly, Tech Nine. You feel me? Like all these examples. So these are all the music of a, the hip hop of specific regions are a reflection of their roots. Let's look at Canada for a second. Who was the first rapper we ever heard from Canada? Well, Maestro Fresh West and Snow. And what was Snow? Influenced by Jamaican culture. Because yep. there's hella Jamaicans and Trinis and Islanders all through Super. Toronto. And then you still hear it in Drake's music to this day. Wow, a lot of the a lot of the Toronto rappers to this day have that influence. So like okay, that's Kicking all the knowledge right now, bro. Kicking bro, all like, the knowledge. Just, Facts. Yeah, like, not. You, like, you said like... it and immediately. As soon as you said it, immediately I'm thinking about New Orleans. I'm thinking yep. about Memphis. I'm yep. thinking about just all these places that, yeah, absolutely. Like, their regions, the, that's why their hip-hop sounds the way that it sounds. A hundred percent. of the influence of what already exists there in that area. The, like New Orleans Creole flavor, New Orleans yep. jazz, kind of offbeat. Like you know, what I'm saying you see, you hear the same sounds in Juvenile's old beats and uh, Kingpin and all that shit that you would hear in New Orleans jazz. You feel me? Like Soldier Slim, all that shit. You hear that in their music. Yeah. Fucking Memphis, like like country rock music, is same thing. You feel me? Like it's you you hear three, in Pimps and Three Six yeah. Mafia's music, you hear that like that rock element in it, you know what I mean? Man, that country like, element in it. It's, it's crazy. Yo, I never thought about it quite like that before. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people where I'm from think about it quite like as you describe so much of that because um, sometimes we're focused on places that have success and we focus a lot on what works in other places without maybe looking at our hometown. And I think why it matters is um, like the fans of your hometown are already fucking with all this shit. So splicing some of that and you're more attractive to your local audience. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. And it's gonna like if it resonates with the hood, there's a good chance it'll resonate in the next hood. And um yeah, that's definitely how regional flavors get concocted. And you know, to bring it back to your original question about the hyphy movement, that's exactly how that happened. We were making music for the people around us that spoke the language of the people around us and lived that lifestyle. And that's just like it became something that um to this day, like, has a prevailing influence on the game, but it resonates way harder. Like, you talk about E-40, I always liked E-40's music, always liked his shit. When I moved to the Bay Area, he instantly made a hundred times more sense. And to this day, it's like that with, like, I feel like I was saying to, to Flacco not too long ago, like, I wasn't crazy about a lot of the newer Brooklyn drill music. One night kicking in in Brooklyn recently, and it all made sense. And now I got, got fucking 22 G's and Dusty Locaine in, ro in rotation. You feel <laughs> me? Because it just suddenly I was like, oh, I get it. Get it. I get it. Because yeah. this is the environment it's supposed to be. Yeah, nah, all, all music like, like that is like that. Like mm. when you experience it, 
that music in their city, in their town, it just hits so much more differently. Like, no, I remember crazy. being in New Orleans in the middle of like the hot boys hitting. Oh yeah, like best. and 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 like and back that ass up being on fire and being on a street team with like a promo van and like at, down there for like the Rose Bowl or some bowl, I forget what bowl it was, and like backing up traffic for like as far as the eye could see with our speakers open, blaring in the back doors. You know how those promo vans would be like oh, a yeah, whole yeah. wall of fucking speakers. So, like, you could hear us for, like, down, like, 20-block radius type shit so loud, you know? And just bumping, like, hot boys. And, like, the party that ensued in the streets was just, like, it. you never... Like, that's why I have such a love, affinity for Cash Money and their sound and Manny Fresh's sound because, like, I'm just, like, I experienced it. Mm-hmm. So, like, once you experience something in the town... That it's from right. you're just like nah it, this hit different like you don't understand no, but you don't yeah. get it like you gotta like, you um, gotta be down there to get it but just to like add a layer to that one of the things i keep when i do a review is i have this note file and uh the one note i leave in it is music is created for the environment and how much is performed live and that's just transcended hip-hop to all genres like I found out like certain eras of rock were just catered towards a bunch of kids on speeds and particular bars. So it, it like drove a particular sound to it. Uh, I, I got fascinated by the relationship of drugs and musics and venues and shit. But like classical is designed for like mid tiered concert halls with curved rooms and it sounds like trash otherwise. So that, that's why new classical don't sound like old classical because the venues of new classical aren't the venues of old classical. And like, mm. you also like just like it's it, everything you're saying to me just merits all kinds of truth because like. Well, and dr- drugs adds another layer. 100 percent and like the music reflects the drugs like in the hyphy movement the drugs were really hyper paced um and almost had like a ravey element and guess what we were all popping ecstasy pills at the time so i think there's a definite correlation there like just like a lot of the music um a few years ago sounded really leaned out and zanned out because motherfuckers were doing a lot of that shit Mm. and it's like yo that, that's like it's it's this is this is a good conversation I'm, I'm i just want you to know i'm fucking loving every second of this mr Lush. shit is fire um in your perspective that's... dude that was like that's the kind of shit where like you can take that back to your local scene and be like yo let's rethink this shit a little bit and start strategizing with your peoples and be like what the fuck can we like calibrate here who's what is popping like i could not tell you really could not tell you outside of the hip-hop world what the fuck is popping in my city except that the k trinata got a dance album and i'm like wait is okay trinata is fire love k trinata um um look what what i think that something that really blew the game open was when asap rocky came out and that's because this is a kid from harlem who was obsessed with dirty south chopped and screwed music had, yes. you know, had, had a grill like he's from fucking Houston, pouring yes. up lean, you feel me? And and, yes. and, and low-key also influenced by, like, Bone Thugs and Harmony and all this other, like, hip shit from other regions and that no one ever associated with New York and kind yes. of brought that. But while he did that, still had the most New York vibe ever. Yeah, you feel me? I, like, I remember some Harlem fashion away. shit. I remember being blown away when I first saw Rocky's first, like, the peso because it was like... um 
like seeing him in the video, like I was like, yo, bro, this sounds like Texas. Right. But what I'm seeing and how he's dressing is like the most Cali. New York shit ever. Like, no, nah, it was no, the way he was dressing in that video was like very Cali to me. Right. Like, no, like true, true, outfit, true. His outfit true. looked really, really Cali, you know? For sure. And then but in, and 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 he was riding in the basket of like the of the bike, which is like not a typical New York thing, you know what right. I mean? Which is something that I think I associate more with Cali for some Absolutely. reason, right? But then but then on top of that, but then I see his his background, and it's like, but that's a bodega. But right. that's but that's New York. Like, and I'm just like this, this it was the beginning of the mashing of all these different regions. Um uh, at the same time, like I think Kendrick kind of had a little bit of that too, like that sensibility where it was like, like sonically, he sounded like kind of like a uh, 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 Bone Thugs, you know, Midwest flow, but like right. with, like an East Coast lyrical sensibility, but like clearly a West Coast cat with like what he's talking about and everything that he's talking on, you know, like one thousand percent, one thousand percent. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that to me is, uh, no, it's a good assessment. And, um, I feel like when you start playing with those things, but still maintain your own identity, because he never like, although he was influenced by all this other shit, he was still Harlem to the core. You know what I mean? And I feel like even using other regions as a fashion accessory is a very Harlem thing to do in and of itself. You know what I mean? Being so fashion forward, like they are in Uptown. So like, that's kind of like what I've always done, like with my New York influence, with, with my Houston influence, Bay Area influence, but it's still LA as fuck at the end of the day. And, um, I think it's fun to play with those things, but there's just like how there's so many different ways to express your individuality and put on for your section. Mm -hmm. Wow. Like, you know, like if I spent a week in, in Montreal and I, you know, I was there before, but if I did that, I'd for sure be able to make a record that personified that vibe very easily mm -hmm. and still have my own Cali identity in doing so. Interesting. No, that's, that's, that's like, that's the kind of shit more people need to think about, especially like in a numbers focused era where branding is almost secondary to the performance of a CTR or whatever, right? Like people don't see the, the more like artistic elements that go into this kind of branding. Like you're able to look at stuff and quantify it into what makes things dope rather than there's this percentage of this, that's, and a lot of us aren't able to necessarily see it like that. So to hear you break it down with such eloquence and just how you pocket things into the, the almost like a deeper level of looking at the data of the world. It's so interesting. Word, no, I appreciate you. And I, I feel like you got that in you as well, but um, yeah. that's just like that. <laughs> that's what I choose to, it's what I choose to emphasize. Like all I care about is besides family, you know, I love my family. I love my fiance, um, I love my homies, but I love culture art pop culture you know what i mean like music that's all i care about you know all this other shit is whatever to me and and i and i use like i feel like a lot of the things that i'm educated in is strictly so i can have a frame of reference when discussing it in an artistic or creative context like but i genuinely don't care about it otherwise like you know like i don't care about politics but now i'm informed about it enough so i could absorb references references that fucking chuck d's making or whatever you know what i mean like that's the only reason why Absolutely. i even care about it 
I mean, I feel like in a lot of ways, the only reason I'm having this conversation with you is because I got curious about what rap lyrics meant once upon a time. And it just all kind of stems back to like uh, a desire to understand what hip hop is. Like, I, this is all part of this bigger journey to know what it is, you know, like, because what is it? It's a hard thing to answer. And there's a lot of people who disagree with a lot of things. A lot of people have a lot of opinions, but I know I read the gospel of hip hop. I read all 836 pages of that fucking book. And it got me really thinking a little bit differently about a lot of things with regards to community elements and uh, and all of it. And then I started doing this, and it was like taking it up a notch. Like you're talking to people who grew up in all these places, and you're like one of the first people we talked to that grew up in L.A. So it's like mm-hmm. even bridging more gaps now because it's not like as New York. Like you, you guys don't go so much as you know what I'm saying. It's not. It's not the same thing. <laughs> it's it's oh, fuck. I forgot what it was, but you were saying something completely different, and you know, like. Well, they'd be like, they, they be, yeah, we, we say hello like the, you were saying one the, they be y'all be yeah. saying facts. We say dead homies. You know what I'm saying? Like it'd be like we pronounce our R's. You me? Y'all say man. like dead yeah. ass. We we don't say dead ass. We no, say you said it in between uh, the other shit, and I not missed it. But it's like you feel me or something. Like you that. feel me. You feel me. Like you that's me, it. Yeah. That's the equivalent of you know what I mean. And we have a. Yeah. So I mean, I'm like that's right, right. A, like just this e h. question mark it's always a question mark uh but that's like our version of it and i'm like that's crazy to like notice these little linguistic differences right because if you don't because yo if i were to say you know i mean down in your place it would just be weird is what i'm realizing because you didn't say it one fucking time except for whenever flacco was talking and you code switched and i was like that's fucking (laughs) nifty fuck yo i love that shit to me yo linguistics is nip that's part of why i love hip-hop is how language is used. Like, I don't understand sports bars, so I give up on those real quick. But once you start understanding the slang and things, like, for me, it was the 5% ter language. Once I started Word. learning about that, and then the Wu-Tang shit started making more sense, and a lot of other, and I'm like, I, I actually have the, the RZA Wu-Tang manual, because he's just like, fuck it, people don't understand it. Here's a book. It'll give you a level one. And I'm like, thank you for your book, my guy. And I read it, and it was fucking great, because it explained Wu-Tang shit to me. And then like it, it like ah oh, man, and then when you start like uncoding it, it's like this puzzle, and you start like looking at these different layers. So like now I know what a stretch kid and a bobito kid is, and so like you start like <laughs> yo, what's the stretch and bobito peoples of your area? Like when you were growing up, what would it be? Wake up show. Oh, who's that? Yeah. Like? Sway, Sway and Tech. Sway. Sway and Tech. I'm not gonna. Fr- I, I mean, I, I fuck with Sway and Tech, but I really fuck with the uh, with Bobito and Stretch way more. But uh, but I fuck with Sway and Tech too. But yo, it, it's so funny. I wanted to tell Flacco actually. Uh, when I was the last time I was in New York, it made me so happy. I saw the funniest black Israelites ever, and they were going off on all these people in Midtown. Made this fucking white girl cry. It was the best thing I I was dying full. I was like, oh man, I wish I had this on tape. I was like, yes, this New York is back. I see black yeah. Israelites harassing out of towners. This is the this is the energy we need in NYC, Facts. bro. I Facts. was fucking. Di- they're like they take that five percent dialect to a whole pr- another level. They were saying like, uh, and they were talking about like. Things things are fucked up right now, and y'all don't even know. And there's like these these white girls walking by, and one of them had a, a Tampa Bay Buccaneers thing, and there's something like with the like a cowboy hat on it, right on the on the logo or something. And he's like, "It's you, you dark devil, evil, like uh, you you evil devil cowboy." Like he started spazzing, and we, me and my homies, me Zoo and Bobby, started 
dying were like, yes, yes, love these people. <laughs> yeah. Love them. Yeah, now New York Best is definitely them. back. New York is yes. definitely back. The black Israelites deserve as much uh, as much real estate to harass white people as possible. Even if I catch a few strays, I'm not mad. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah, I feel that. But like, I understand it too. Like even what you said, I understood it because I went and did some Googles along the way, and then I, I just because yo, you get curious. You know what it is? You, you see some shit like a bean pie reference. You're like, the fuck is a bean pie reference? Me? Like, why are they talking? Fire, love bean pies. And then you go look it up, and you learn about the history of how this was a way to sell fucking food, and is cleaning is part of the culture. And you're like, oh shit, like this shit all means something. And then it's the Muslims like, run up on you. You're driving down Crenshaw. The Muslims run up on you, trying to sell you a bean pie. And what's that? That that newspaper? The what's it called? Like the the, the final call. I think is what final it's called. Call. Yeah, final oh, call. Sure. The Muslim oh. newspaper. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, brother. I'd always cop the damn bean pies. Um, that shit is fire. I don't think I personally fire. ever had a bean pie, but I I'm I'm curious. I'm not gonna lie. I want to try. Oh yeah, you, you might, you might, you might be onto something. Bringing the bean pies up to Montreal, bro. Yo, I'm sure it's you might here. Be I'm, something. Honestly, I'm sure somebody from my city's gonna be like, "You fucking moron! You just gotta go over there." And I'm like, "It's possible." No, they got them for show. That seems like something they would have up there. Like, we yeah, got, we got like it's one... called something else. Whatever, however you say that shit in French. That's probably what it is, actually. No, no, you bring up a real point. That happens a lot where, like, I realize that there's some shit I know my whole life with, like, a, a like, pomplamoose was an example. That's a fucking grapefruit. I didn't realize right. that grapefruit and pomplamoose was the same thing until I was in my, like, fucking late 20s and it clicked. It was the same <laughs> fucking word. So that shit actually happens. Um, anyway, and then imagine it's not even grapefruit and somebody calls me out. Whatever, it is what it is. Uh, but um, that's dope. Uh, do you speak other languages? Because you grew up in. Uh, I speak. I speak Mexican. You feel me? Like hood Spanish, aka Mexican. You feel me? Um, very well. Um, I can I can understand some French and Italian, but because just from all my time I spent out there in France, but um, and my grandmother speaking Italian to me, but not pretty much uh, English and Spanish. I still fucking do. Say I'm like damn near semi fluent in Spanish. Um, but yeah, no, that's dope. Stills. Uh, do you? Oh yeah, we got a question from a comments. Do you like psycho realm and delinquent habits? Fuck yeah, fuck yeah. First of all, Jack Sig Jackin is the homie. That's the, I look, dude. Wow. Psycho realm is crazy. Yeah, that's that real, good. real cholo tag banger music for sure. Delinquent habits. Um was always next to us, the Lincoln Monastery in the CD store, you feel me? They'd be like their one thing over. So, and I, and I, and I used to bump Tres Delinquentes, that song was hard, you feel me? So yeah, but for sure, Psycho Realm, I love. No, Sick Jack and one of my favorite rappers, actually. Yeah, the homeboy Ismail got us to review Psycho Realm's first project, and I was like, yo, this is fucking lit. Like, there's tracks on that. Like, you know, like, sometimes you hear a project, whatever, whatever, and then sometimes it's like, nah, that's that's one that you got to go back to, and, like, they're special with it. It felt real big. Um, but, yo, so how does how do you get to a point where, like, your music's popping off, and then you decide to pivot into grind time? And also, what was it like? kind of i guess before that being involved with the wrc stuff because i was kind of watching your, your your wrc battles before and i realized this is what d was talking about 
And I'm like, oh my yeah. fuck. And I started connecting dots. And then, first of all, I loved your post fucking um, battle shit. You were so, like, courteous enough to, like, actually remember your opponent's bars. And I'm like, nobody else was doing that but you. You were, like, verbatim spitting motherfuckers' bars. And that was so cool. I was on Adderall. I remembered everything. I could could tell you how many freckles were on your forehead that day. Like I was, <laughs> I was in future hyperspace. Well, it was crazy. Um, but thank you. That's a that's a nice way to put it. But nah, fool. Um, I uh, WRCs were tight. Went in there to flex. Um, I didn't realize that. I wanted to kill everybody there. I didn't realize how good of friends I was going to become with so many of them dudes. Mm. Like I fucking pulled out brass knuckles on satire in the WRCs, but now he's one of my close homies. It's crazy. I love Sat. It's my brother, but I was I was pissed off because he said some uh, something he said. You feel me? But it, it's crazy. Like I didn't realize that these were gonna become my brothers and shit. And uh, I was, you know, I'm from LA, but I was living in the Bay. And everything I was doing was like representing for the Bay. And coming back to LA, I was kind of like, fuck all y'all down there. Where was y'all at? Where your ass was at? You wasn't showing me no love. Why I got to move all the way up here to get my rap shit jumping? They all love me up here. So fuck y'all. I'm battling in that, that I was in the neighborhood I grew up in. That was the West Side. That was West LA. That's literally like I could walk to the house I grew up in from where we had the WRCs in LA. And I was like, fuck all them. Fuck LA. You feel me? Like, I was just pushing the line. Even though I've, I've always been like, yeah, I'm from the Los. I'm from West Los, born and raised. But still, at the time, it was low-key like, fuck y'all. But then those became some of my best friends. Yeah, I got another con uh, question from the comments, if you will. <laughs> Mr. Lindell Williams would love to know, uh, what are your top three artists, like rappers? Like, who are your top three if you had to pick, like, I guess, artist-wise? Like, Ever, 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 yeah. ever, ever, he's, or right now, ever, 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 your faves, all times, ever, ever, ever. Um, um, so many, so many. Um, I don't know, like, like, uh, I I'm gonna say, like, Jay Z, DJ Quick, right. and um, let's say, um, Jay Z, DJ Quick. And then, like, I don't know, like, AZ. Okay. You feel me? That's a cool list. Definitely. Yeah. Jay-Z is more... I mean, DJ Quick's dope. Um, I know I've listened to the Rhythmalism album. Rhythmalism, that shit go crazy. That is a great album, honestly. It, it was really like, oh, you can do that with me. Quick as you a gangster. No, I'm not. Quick as you a gangster. No, I'm not. Bang, bang, boogie. Uh! That's a good time. So yeah, and then uh, AZ is cool too, right? That's like an eclectic mix, in my opinion, but a dope mix. A AZ is so hardful. He would have been, I don't know why. It's, I mean, I've heard different stories as to why, but it's great because Nas, I love Nas, but like AZ was that dude. You feel me? AZ really fucking rap, and he was really on some gangster shit. And I don't know, man, he really talked to me, bro. I love AZ's, uh, that Do or Die album, and the Asiatic album, and Pieces of a Man. Asiatic Asiatic was the one that did it for me. Like, Asiatic was like, whoa. Asiatic was amazing. Him was yeah. like on another level. Like, it was really like, what? Like, nah, I think he might be better than Nas, bro. Like, Low key, like, was, you feel me? Yeah, nah, I love, uh, I love the AC. No, it's mad it's interesting. Yeah, I know. 
I know a lot of people who have said similar things. I don't have an opinion yet because for me, it's like if I reviewed the album, I can talk about it because I've thought about it with a broader lens. If I haven't, my opinion was trash because it was back in the daytimes. So it's hard for me to know. And I, every time I heard AZ rap, it was tight. But until you can really go down the album route, that's when you can really get into the conversation for me is who can make a blessed album, which is where Lush One just spiked up high on my list. I'm like, not a lot of people yeah, can make go. an album Come like on. that, man. No, for real. But your your project, I don't know about your other ones, but the, the one with your name, fuck, I'm blanking. I'm about this. Himes, fuck my life. Um, you good. That shit is ridiculous, man. That shit is like a... Yo, alright, it's, it's just the scratchings, the elements, it sounds modern, it sounds old, it sounds kind of timeless with it, but most importantly, it's an album of knowledge nuggets. <clears throat> Every track is educational. I'm like, yo, motherfuckers like me need people like you to be laying shit like down like that, because how else are we going to learn some shit in this system? And that's what I loved about it. It was what I would call age-appropriate music. Word, I'll take it. I'll take it. You know what I mean? I'll take it. I mean, like it was, it was recorded during the the worst and then subsequently best time of my life. So it was like right before I went to treatment, I'm in the depths of my addiction. My whole life is falling apart. I'm I'm estranged from the whole entire battle rap subsection of battle of uh hip hop that I helped kind of curate and you know, create and everything was just going bad for me. Um on the heels of a divorce had just had just been under investigation by the LAPD for a bunch of bullshit. So all this shit had happened to me. And, um, you know, I'm just like withering away on drugs, getting addicted to new drugs. I had never tried before mixing in with old drugs. They're meeting like old friends and new friends. You feel me? They're all mingling in my system and I'm just like slowly dying. And then I go to treatment when I'm almost finished with it and I complete the album right after I got sober. So it's like, man, it was autobiographical. It's a cautionary tale, but really at the end of the day, uh, the summation of the project is, if I can make it out the mud, homie, so can you, period. And that's like, that's really what I was trying to convey. Cause I went through all that and I'm still kicking, still, still, still ticking, still tipping. It's beautiful though, cause yo, a lot of people try to make it sound like you're too old to do shit, and I'm like, nah, let's run, just drop the gem, it's a gem. So yes, it's no, it's it, it's the opposite. It's the opposite. Like this isn't this isn't the motherfucking NBA where when your knees don't work as good, you can't like ball out like that anymore, and you're gonna be slow. Like, what do you mean, bro? This is linguistic creative art. The more you live, the more you sharpen your skill set. As long as you keep your blade sharp, you're gonna get better. You're supposed to get better forever in music. What Miles Davis wasn't hadn't even reached his peak yet when he was my age. You feel me? What? Why should I? have now nah, fool it's the opposite i love it man i really 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 do yo it's in, it's like encouraging because like i'm 33 right and i'm still grinding it out i still got all the faith in the world shit's gonna go the way i want it to go and sometimes people look at you a little funny you know it just happens 33 is young as fuck i i know that sound crazy because when i was 33 i felt 85 I but 85, like 33 yeah. is young fool you're still yeah. in your early 30s dog you like yeah. you could you could damn near fuck off four years and still be like relatively young. <laughs> I don't know about that. It seems no, like I don't it's getting a little harder make those climbs. Nobody's saying to do it. it. Like... It's just good. <laughs> no, no, but 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 for real, dog. Like when I like when I look back, like thirty three is thirty three is young, fool. 
I'm on the precipice of 40. I'm 39 in this bitch. That's fair. No, and I, and I still that. feel young. I know, like, okay, so I feel this this mix of old and young at once. I try very hard to stay young while feeling old. So I have to recognize my body's, like, mm. limitations. Like, yo, I can't go more than three days of no sleep. If I do that, guarantee get sick. That didn't that's happen. Been, that's good. You, sleep's important. You know, that's, that's why I cut back on all the, that's why I stopped taking drugs and shit. But like now I'm getting my youth back because I started, I was starting to look older and fucked up and shit. You know, I have big ass bags under my eyes looking like Skeletor. Now, like shit, I'm getting chunky again. Like I look like a spring chicken in this bitch. I love it, man. I really do, man. You make you make it sound fun. You really do, and that's what that's what people need to see, though. Like people see this dismal age. Of, you know, I don't know if you ever been in middle management. It gets weird when you look at people pushing forty with broken dreams, not living their best life, living happiness and stuff. They're, not everyone, but like when you see these people, it's like you. Know, I don't. It's like being in a factory and looking at a guy who's been there for thirty years. You're like, that's not. That's not it. Cause I don't want to be that. That's that's it. That's not, I don't want to be that. Watch the movie called Joe versus a volcano. It's like a it's like a cheesy B movie from the late eighties, early nineties. Joe was a you know lower middle class dude that lived a very mundane life, punching clocks in, in a factory, and this motherfucker jumped in a volcano. You feel me? Because you got to jump in the volcano, fool. You can't just do that shit forever. You feel me? And I'm not gonna say because I don't give advice. I don't do I don't do advice. I can you what I can do is speak on my own personal experience. I find advice in general to be very pretentious unless it's solicited. But even then, when people ask me for advice, I'll be like, "This is what I did. This is what happened as a result." You know, mm -hmm. you take that for because because my circumstances is different. You know, the Flacco's circumstances is different. Like, there's no way we 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 might have a frame of reference, but it's going to be completely different at the end of the day. So you could use what happened to me as a frame of reference for yourself, but that's still not necessarily me articulating it as advice. Nah, but it's more like inspiration is how I look at this world. Like, this is why I really love doing this in particular, where we talk to somebody like you. Like, I was reading books of people that were successful. Now I've evolved that into reading books of people who are successful, to podcasts, to talking to people. Like, I went from, like, watching this show to being this show. You know, mm -hmm. like, to me, that's blessed. And that's what, like, like Lush mm -hmm. One, your life, like, yeah, is so, right. it's like, it's not really, like, it's more the behind-the-scenes shit that's the most interesting part of how you are able to be a relevant and interesting person that people are hitting me up to be like, don't fuck this up, right? Like, I have that happening, and I'm like, yo, <laughs> I want people to say that shit about me one day. The fuck did Lush One do right? So I'm looking for it, and it's shit, like... Lush one remember people's bars. That's consideration, dude. Other people didn't remember your bars and you remember their and it's no disrespect. But businesses do those little extra. Oh, they remember them when they had nightmares when they went home. But when they went home and they had you were just like objectively <laughs> like no. But it was more the objectivity. You were like, We had this bar that was good and their bar was was also good. That was a good bar. And it was just like, yo, businesses pay top dollar to learn how to do that today. And you're dropping it in the tailor end of a random rap battle. And probably a lot of people didn't maybe notice or care. But I don't know. That's what my day job's about is that type of little subtle shit, right? And I'm like watching that. And I'm like, yo, that's why people like him. Because there's nobody, anybody else watching that after is not going to appreciate the fact that you took the time to listen to their bars the way that you appreciated me listening to your music. Even if they got beef with you after that little element. It's gonna stick with them. It's gonna be a little seed or something. No, it's the it's, and I think that's driven from 
a genuine love of the game and the passion that comes from being a kid that didn't even think he was going to be alive. And his only ambition for staying alive was being a part of this culture, which I was so enamored with. So the fact that I'm able to then as a, you know, a young adult be participating in this in some capacity going back and forth, like, yeah, I'm going to cherish every moment of it. And, you know, even what, yeah, like the fact I'm honored to get to battle people and other, the top battle rappers I'm going against. I'm going to remember everything they say, because I'm a fan of this moment. I'm a fan of this lifestyle. I'm a fan of what's going on. So yeah, that shit. And, And I'm not afraid to, to be a fan and I'm not afraid to think things are dope or tell people they're dope. Cause at the end of the day, me saying that you're dope doesn't take away, doesn't compromise my masculinity or make me feel stressed out about who the fuck I am, you know, like, cause yeah. I know who I am. I love that shit. I, I do have to go and talk though about the beginning of grind time. I think Flacco would be like, dude, you didn't let him say it or whatever yeah. after. So let's talk about how grind time started in your life and how you got involved in that. Um, so the WRC things happened. It was the World Rap Championships. All the biggest battle rappers at the time. Uh, Fight Club, which was the largest um, outlet for battle rap in a mainstream context, was canceled by MTV2. Smack DVDs were kind of, um, as things were heavily being bootlegged, and it was the BitTorrent era, so DVDs on the streets were becoming less popular at the time. So Smack DVDs were not coming out. Wasn't shit going on in battle rap besides that WRCs. Then after that, in 2008, they were supposed to do it. They didn't do it. Direct, who was uh, competed in the Atlanta division, reached out to everybody that was in it via MySpace, which is how all the cool people communicated at the time. All you the cool me? people were all back then. Love it. All the cool people. Period. In the industry, period, period. in the industry, in the period. underground, no, in the indie school. scene. At that time, even high school. At high school, absolutely. It was made for high school. But um, Direct hit me up. Um, I, I heard his idea. I thought it was, I didn't really pay too much mind. Then I saw the content that he was producing, the early battles. I was like, this is toy as fuck. This shit's hella weak. I don't want to be a part of this. Um, then... There's another website in its infancy at that time called World Star Hip Hop, and they wound up posting one of the battles. And now let me let me put this in perspective for you. Right now, somebody could post a, a video of a shrimp running on a treadmill, and in 10 minutes, it could accumulate 40,000 views. So 40,000 views ain't shit. But at that time, when YouTube was in its early stages, 40,000 views, that's a substantial number. You know what I mean? Big it's a lot of views. So that, be, due to that video, which is actually a pretty dope battle too, which I was impressed by, Johnny Storm versus Mosh Jelton was the name of the video, got uh, posted on World Star Hip Hop and accumulated 40,000 views in one night, which I'll say now is like the equivalent to like, I don't know, maybe 200,000 views in one night or like 500,000 views maybe even yeah. it was like yeah, yeah it's yeah, like nah, inflation it was, it was like a big, YouTube it was, it was a big, that was a big number back then 2008 yeah YouTube view inflation like, like yeah for, exactly for just like direct putting on like a, a battle between two of his friends like yeah to keep it in perspective like I don't think any of the other battles had 
cracked a thousand by then maybe you know like 1100 in like two months type right, right, shit right. so it was uh yeah, and i was like you know what say, this like, is dope the, the speed matters because that like you might look at some shit relatively just on a stat point if you look at something that has fifty thousand views over ten years, it's a bad number. Fifty thousand views overnight, it's a different number. So absolutely, absolutely, especially at that time. And uh, you know, I was like, I told, I was like, you know, I I I feel like I could do this as good, if not better, than these other cats. And uh, my homies are really nice with it too. So um, no one else. I was like, you know, let, let me try to put something like this together in Cali. Nobody was really hearing me though. So I was like, I know what I got to do. I got to go out to Florida, do this shit myself. Let my homies see how this shit is done, and they can all hop on board. And that's exactly what happened. I went out there, did a battle, made some noise, got love for it, was on World Star. It was the first grind time video to hit like 100,000 or something like that. All my homies were like, damn, they happen to be some of the best battle rappers in the world. I was like, you know what? I could continue to battle or I could help organize this thing because we don't have anyone that can do it. And I'm not really that good at organizing shit. I'm just slightly less retarded than all my other homeboys as far as that goes. So let me just get it popping. So I did started throwing events and uh, within a matter of months, we pretty much uh, set the world on fire with that shit. And it became like the biggest we became like the epicenter of battle rap culture. We made Oakland, California, the epicenter for anybody that was around. You can't tell me that between 2008 and 2010, Oakland wasn't the most significant city in battle rap. And that was Facts. That's, that's what we were doing. That's an absolute fact. I could testify to that. Yeah. That's an absolute. Like I said, I was jealous. And I, I say that like in a good way. Like that's not like a, it's good to be able to recognize when you have like I mean, it's not also like uh, jealous in the real sense of like malicious intent and like nah. you know and, and and anger or or hate or anything like that. But it's just like it's like looking at what you guys were doing, and I'm like, yo, why don't we look like them, yo? Look at them; they look fucking clean, bro. They got right. fucking graphics over their heads. That shit appears like fucking like neon signs and shit. Are you right. fucking kidding me, bro? I want my name with the neon signs above my <laughs> head, bro. Like, are you kidding me? Like, and their views are through the roof, and all these different styles are coming out, and all these different characters and people. Like, what? Like, nah. It was it was a different level. It was a different level. Watch this. I'm, I'm changing cameras. <laughs> you got a big one. Yeah. Boom. Work. Boom. Here we go. I love it. This is good. This is always fun when we get the home tour type part of uh, a situation like that. Yeah, I'm about. I need. I need to smoke me a damn cigarette. Don't do it, but I'm gonna do it real quick it's while I'm okay. talking to you. No, we gonna keep it lit in the streets. It's all right, man. We don't judge that. I've been smoking joints here, all sober. So you know, you can all look the other way. It's all good. Everybody's all love here. Hey, I used to snort meth off the toilet seats. You feel me? So this is a cigarette ain't shit. Nah, it's, fine, man. it's whatever you do that makes you happy in life though i see it but like sincerely it makes you happy if you got small cigarettes that's what you gotta do is how i see it i'm not gonna judge that shit everybody yeah as the I'm, blood blood smoke, I'm literally as... over here smoking a cigarette so i'm, I'm literally not the, the last person night. that's gonna judge me. as the blood it. homies say as the blood homies say i gotta go boca bigger at one time <laughs> <laughs> I, I understood what that was <laughs> i followed that <laughs> 
I am hip enough for whatever. Anyway, but uh, that's so cool that you're part of this, man. Cause like yo, a lot of people that I know are involved in battle rap. Like right now, there's a battle rap tournament starting in Montreal tonight from the DMS League, and you can like correlate a lot of that back to efforts that you're involved in. A lot of people in my city basically owe you a lot of things, is what I understand, especially with your involvement with KOTD and then KOTD's involvement leading to DMS in Montreal. So with all of that, you're like... They can, they can pay me and their girlfriends. <laughs> no, I'm just like... No, I, no, it's amazing. And uh, to have a... Kind of like to, to go back to what we were saying about the way you could learn so much about different regions through hip hop. You could learn so much. There's like battle rap has been like a beacon of culture and like putting people up on game in different parts of the world they would never be hip to. And the idiosyncrasies of like regional and provincial flavor. And battle rap has done that. And uh, I love it, you know, and uh, it's it's been a I would have never gone to certain cities in certain countries if it wasn't for battle rap. So I'm forever in debt for that. Nah, I mean, it's just cool like to be able to like give you that like you know honor for that because I mean, there's a direct lineage between what you did with grind time and what's happening today in my city. You know, that's that's it's kind of crazy to think about. Nah, there's a there's a direct lineage like, to what um they did together that is like overall this is what battle rap is now like all the you know graphic shit they were heavy on it in the west coast and like um uh, all this like style clashing type of thing they were doing just a lot of things that were making the brand look better um than it looked on its own you know like direct was doing great things but when like Lush got involved and like all these Cali battles started getting like on the channel, it was like, oh shit, like this looks different. Like this looks like a movie. Like this we looks well produced. And it looked fun. And it was like multicultural. And we made it like this is the place to be. If if you were if you don't know where this is going on, then you know, like you need to get put up on game one time because Sorry. this is this is where it's at. And we just personified the energy very effortlessly we were just having fun we had no grand ambitions of taking over the game or nothing like that it was we gonna do something tight we gonna blow people's wig back i mean that that's that, that's all we that's all it was but shouts to montreal and all the dope battle rappers out there my man lo pesci uh my man chuggo you know my man chrome everybody in uh, montreal Mm. Lo Pesci's from Montreal. I didn't know Lo Pesci was from Montreal. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. he's Montreal for Same sure. Word. Absolutely, that's crazy. I know. Uh, I know who Chrome is. We uh, we interact on Facebook. Uh, actually, Chrome I know from back when I started rapping before he got into battle rap when he was still like really young and he was hitting up stages and shit. Anyway, um, but uh, I had a question. Just. Uh, Let's say I don't know who were the original people to follow in that era for like um, paddle rap. Who would be like some of the original guys that would have made the, the like seminal roster of that part of grind time that like were the people that were that you were promoting for or whatnot? Thesaurus, Ilmac, Pass, um, Illusion Z, Reverse Live, FLO, Dirtbag Dan. Um, Hollow to Don, Cortez, um, Philly Swain. There's a whole bunch of really, really dope cats at that time. Hmm. You included, you included, you included people not even from Cali. 
I respect. Yeah, you. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Jay's Juice, Awkward's. You know, there's a whole bunch of them. Dumbfounded, Satire, No Can Do. No Can Do, man. I love No Can Do, bro. Like, yo, I mean, I love No Can Do, period. You know what I mean? Like, he's just, like, another level. Like, he's nice. That's yeah, my brother from another big uh, All-City Jimmy for Vita. For real. Yeah, it's dope, though. It's helpful for me because, like, it's just to see your names. So to, like, map it together is taking time as I piece it together. So hearing you say all these names after I'm going to watch the video, I'm going to, like, write it down, pay a little more attention, and make sure that I start following up. Like, I now know what it, I know who Thesaurus is and Illmatic, and a few of these guys watching that series of WRC battles you were involved with. So it's a little helpful. And then, I'm, you know, as I dig more into the culture, it's just, it's cool. Like it, it's just really yeah. cool. We're gonna be having awkward as a guest next week, and yeah. you know he's also part of like the West Coast. Uh, 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 mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, we had a question from Ishmael on the on the Twitch: is what is your most memorable battle, or like I guess the most one you? I love uh, Paulo. I encourage everybody to look up Paulo De Don versus Pass because that was like the hottest dude in Oakland and the hottest dude in New York going at it and it was uh you know it was electrifying that's fresh um yeah no i got distracted because you said you're bad with this though but it's all right we're good you could pop in and out we can hear you everything is fine um so i mean how did you end up getting involved then i guess with like like how so i guess what was it like being involved with grind time like just being there like building that like i mean creating something that basically shaped everything to come in a sense it was fire because like like the it was affecting the overall world of hip-hop and just youth culture at that time more than anything i'd ever been a part of so i kind of like and being a driving force behind that i just felt a great responsibility to my region to my people and um just like everybody that was tuned into the culture, I was like, whoa, like this is a lot bigger than anything that I conceived. And um, it was, it was exciting times. So like, okay. So what would be your biggest like takeaway or like knowledge nugget of that era? Like the biggest piece of advice you learned from being involved in all of that, that you would impart onto the world. I think that, uh, you know, it, it's weird. Cause it's kind of like, the thing that made it successful was how genuine we all approached it, but us not having the business model to go with it and having that conceived beforehand wound up kind of biting us in the ass in the long run. It was like, you know, every, it was like the midgets standing on the shoulders of giants. Like people kind of saw what we were doing, saw what we did right, saw what we did wrong, and were able to capitalize off of that before we really were. Mm. So effectively, you do kind of need the business model to go alongside the good idea and the passion. Otherwise, something like that is going to happen. Uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. But I feel like if we put too much thought into that, it might have taken away from um, so much of the appeal, which was like almost that pop punk rock unhinged. Anything could happen, like, you know, do it yourself energy that the whole grassroots vibe, which permeated through the whole essence of it right no it makes a lot of sense so it's 
I don't know. I just think it's interesting, right? Because you came in and you just ran with it and you created something that like changed the world. And then unfortunately, grind time ceases to be at a certain point. Um, I have a general understanding of things just didn't work out. Um, and it's just like, I think like things like that happen in history, but you don't often get to talk to somebody who is directly involved with it and hear what they perceive to be like the more interesting takeaways from it. And I'm not interested in the drama and stuff, but it's like, to consider the business, even if it doesn't dominate your forethought, but to think about it and to understand it is important. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that, that's how it went down. Um, so what, what did you end up doing after grind time? <clears throat> so, um, I wound up linking with, uh, the Canadian low key version of what we were doing. My, my homeboys, uh, organic in them had a league called King of the dot linked up with them and uh been rocking ever since since 2012 so it's basically you just kind of kept uh kept it going uh with king of the dot and just kind of kept almost the same position and just more so that's why it's in la now is because you, you yeah just... yeah king of the dot is uh in primarily is although it's still canadian based and a canadian conception um la is like the home away from home He's like, I know, let me know, was telling me he was down there for it. And I've always wondered, you know, like, I thought I was Canadian. Why is it in L.A. all the time? Uh, that was definitely a thought that passed into my head at one point. Because, uh, yeah, but that makes sense. It's it's actually, to me, it's, it's a cool sense of cultural influence that I'm in favor of. Because if we expand to you, that's like, fuck, that never happens. <laughs> Not in something like this. That's like, you yeah. honestly, it's mad blessed. They're on Twitch. They're on Twitch shit, with it. Like seeing that, it's like you you kind of helped Canada in a huge way with that, you know. Like yeah, like I don't know if you know how much that is to somebody like me, who like is like thank God that day that Drake, Justin Bieber, and The Weekend owned the charts for like that one day that Canada had top three. It happened one time in hip hop like that, so it's like yo, it's a big deal for me to be like yo so lush one basically took what we had here and helped elevate it because yo, the second it's in la the world cares okay like you can be yeah, it definitely you is. Want, but la is not they're not the same to the world i fucks with both but like you know i'm canadian i don't i'm not in the in the global conversation like that the, the canadian homies just had their business together they had structure organization and uh it was a perfect fit for our um you know, aura and authenticity that we brought to the game. And when we combined those two elements, it made us a very formidable force for years to come. And so you were doing music the whole time, the battle rap thing. So I know grind time is one part of the battle raps, like one, one path of your life, but simultaneously you're also making music this whole time. Cause 2010, you say grind time times, but 2010, you also had songs coming out that you were referencing earlier in this interview. So I was yeah. curious if you could also like roll it back and walk us a little bit down the musical path of your life. So um, after, you know, like my crew, Delmont crew in Oakland, we were really popping. Two of us wound up getting a deal for a label in France called Chinese Man. We started making a lot of music with them. Uh, we formed another group called the Rolling Rockers, which was very successful overseas. We wound up uh, subsequently getting signed to a label in LA in 2009, an independent label called Everetti Records. Um, they put out our project. It was like low key, 
Um, they didn't really have the marketing prowess to push the type of music we were doing. So I wound up kind of breaking off and going solo at that point and uh, put out a very successful project with them called gold bricks in the wall. Um, I had put out one. Thank you. I put out one before that as well called music for dope runs. And then, um, and then, you know, that when that label folded in 2013, I was kind of like in limbo for a minute, but I was still recording and working with other artists and working as an A&R as well. And then um, wound up. up. What is, okay. A&R is one of those terms that people throw around the internet like they know what the fuck it means and they don't always know what the fuck it means. What is an A&R coming from a guy who was an actual A&R? A&R stands for artist and repertoire, and it's essentially like an artist liaison at um, a record label, um, ushering in and helping develop new talent and oversee their projects. Um, I was an A&R for a label in um, Beverly Hills called Film On, and we wound up signing Chief Keef. So that was really exciting and uh, was involved in the Chicago drill music scene as an A&R around that time it was really dope and uh was doing songwriting for some pretty big artists as well and then uh back in 2017 i got back into my own music and solo career again and linked up with an artist collective in la called um i'd been in a couple other ones too but the one that i linked up with at that point was called 667 cult and uh kind of like a amalgam of different styles and influences and became like a I had like a little renaissance right there in 2017 and 18 of new stylistic development in between people that were involved in the musical aspect of the battle rap scene as well as other underground scenes of LA and we kind of all came together and um, put out a few projects with them. I'm still a part of 667 Gold and in the end of last year, I wound up signing with Humag, which is a subsidiary of Sony Orchard, and that's where my most recent project, Himes, came out. And um, pushing that line super tough, and it's been I'm right now at the peak of my music career, sales wise, notoriety wise, and um, a creative peak as well. So it's been it's been all the way up. Honestly, it's. It's great to talk to you, man. Like your passion and everything is incredible. Like, like you know what makes you special is just every part of your life is optimized to like, fuck it. I'm in this moment. I'm gonna do this thing. And there's not really like a dull point. There isn't like a moment in your story where it's like, and I took off X amount of time, which you you <laughs> might think that's a strange thing for me to remark on, but I'm remarking on it because that's honestly like not what happens to most people most people don't somehow manage to do epic and cool sound how many people get fucking signed and are an a and r you were an a and r to an era of music that is huge like that that like let's it was crazy chief keef is one of those crazy. dudes that like looking back helped impact music absolutely you know and uh he's a really good dude i, I fuck with sosa to this day and um that was a, a very interesting snapshot of a of an era in culture, which has had a prevailing influence. The times when I would view as my downtime musically was when 
things were popping for me in a battle rap context or things were popping for me in the streets. And I was kind of like at a low point in life. But as far as like the movie of my life, that's the most exciting because here I am like, you know, dodging cops, selling dope, really just like living like GTA San Andreas type shit. So it was like, it, 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 it's wild, man. My life is, um, it's, it's not even a movie. It's a damn anthology. But, but, but those or, movies don't like, they only have certain endings that are fun, right? Either you go out in a bad way or you end up kind of like lush one today where you're taking everything that you do with your life and you're being a shining example of how to still live to the fullest within the new parameters that define your existence. Like you like, you don't have to be here, right? Like you don't have to be doing this interview. Like you, you don't have to be doing anything. You didn't have to write that album. You didn't have to do it. You, you could have stopped. I'm sure like you at any time. No, could've... I had to, I had to, Therapy. you feel me? I had to, and I have to do like, it's not even like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, not to make lofty comparisons, but no, I had to build the ark. You feel me? Right. The, uh, the motherfucking field of dreams had to build the, the, if you build it, they will come. That's, this is what I'm compelled to do. This is what the spirit has compelled me to do. So I have no choice. So I'm just, you know, I'm just on a journey right now. But I I'm not even steering the shit. My hands are off the wheel. But I guarantee you the next decade is going to be the best part of that story. Yo, Jay-Z's most interesting times are absolutely today. I don't care what anyone says. That guy, that guy, like, does things where you just, like, it takes over headlines and you're not going, shake my head. You're going, wow. And, you, like, that that's, you know, like, I don't know, man. You're on some fucking path for, like, the energy you have where it's, like, the next decade, I think, is going to be that part of your story. Don't. God willing, sir. I, man. I don't see that's what I'm, you know. Yo, like, yo, if you look at everything in the whole world about growth and productivity and all this shit, so you're like the shining example of what the books describe. I'll take it. I'll take it. And, I, you know, I all I can do is say that if anything, then it's my purpose to, to be a voice of the disenfranchised and to let motherfuckers know that no matter how far down the scale you slip into your own uh, depravity, own addiction, own... Um, feeling lost and um, hopeless, there is a way to circumvent that and come about the other side. So that's what I truly believe my purpose is. And um, if that equates in me having a comfortable, successful and exciting life in in the, the, the entrance and throughout my twilight years, I'm about it, about it, Master P. Nah, I just, I don't know. You just you have a cool way of being. Like, you're still doing it. And you're still going to keep doing it. Like you just said, it wasn't like you just had an album. You said earlier something on the lines of, I'm pushing this shit heavy. And that's big. Nobody says I'm pushing this shit heavy. And you're doing all these interviews and shit. Like to you, it's like, fuck, I'm going to jump on anything. I'm going to go do it. That's the, that's the vibe I got off of you. And that's the shit I think a lot of people, especially as you get older, are having trouble learning how to do again. So to see you doing it with like, that youthful energy, man, it's inspiring to me to see that. It inspires me as a person to see it. Makes me want to keep Like trying. I told you, man, 33 is young. You got a lot ahead of you, boy. But you still want to see somebody ahead of you doing it. You still want to, like, not look around and see dismal shit. You want to see some people being it, right? Like, you don't want to, like, 
feel like man nobody's doing it you know seeing you it's like another way to look at it. it's like less lonely on that front it's like yo Where? lush one's fucking already how can i even complain one time look at lush one look at flacco like i know flacco is not a not 33 we'll say um uh, i mean but, but like yeah, so to see that energy in that age yo especially when you're around miserable people at 40 and shit right like you're like it's it's like to see this it's like yo fuck that i'm gonna go keep doing this forever because fuck it i don't have to go play by their rules look at lush one that guy looks happy period period and i wouldn't period. be happy i wouldn't be happy doing anything else Mm. Yeah, yeah, big facts. Mm. I would, I can't, I can't, I can't not do what I do. Like, I need to get the music out of me. I need to, mm. I need to have that release. I need to have the therapy of making the music. I need to have the therapy of creating. Like, that's it. Like, that's that's it. Those are my babies. I sound like a cat lady. Nah, <laughs> Word. No, that's it. That's it. So we got a couple more questions from the chat if you're okay with that. Um Bless it. One is from Ishmael again saying, which young battle rapper do you think has the most potential? Um, my boy Saint. He's crazy. Saint from England. Shout out to him. Big facts. Big facts. Just one fifty grand. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, from from Z, uh, do you have any graffiti stories you want to share with us? Because, yo, the graffiti shit, we don't get a lot of that at all. And, yo, the most you can, anything you're willing to share about graffiti line is going to be treasured by people on my side. I remember being, uh, I remember one time, it was super traumatic. Um, we had uh, fools from, fools from my crew had caught a spot, had caught a, done a tag in a blood neighborhood right and um i was standing in front of like the little baby projects where we posted at and uh seeing this car pull up that i had never seen before and we had just caught this spot and uh we we caught the spot my homies did actually and um we saw it had gotten slashed by a gang and because we, they were tagging where it was my younger homies. They were tagging where they weren't supposed to be, and um, I was like, okay, we got slashed by an actual hood by like gang members, and this fully use of blood, peace stone blood, pulled up, and I didn't know who it was. I had never like, I had never seen the car though. It was like an old Pontiac or some shit pulled up, and like I'm in front of the building, and I'm seeing, I see the car. And then I just, I see this fool in the driver's seat, right? And he looks at me. I'm standing out there by myself, blazing. And this fool says, I can see him. I can't hear him, but I can see him, like, the words, mouthing the words. And I heard, see this fool. He said, fuck 5150. That's the name of our hood, right? 5150. And then I was like, oh, shit. And then I see him grab a big ass. Like, I'm saying this fool had a chopper so fucking big it looked like it was from a video game and this fool's pulling out he's pulling out the fucking he, he's trying to get out of his driver's window to start busting at us right and it's just me standing there this fool the gun is so fucking big this sounds like a battle rap bar the gun is so big that it got the gun was so big that it saved my life because he's trying to pull this chopper out the window but it got stuck on the window it's so fucking big it got stuck 
and in that second of it being stuck, it gave me enough time to start sprinting, right? So I take off. I'm Carl Lewis all of a sudden. And then this fool starts dumping the chopper, like, at me. It's all doom, 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 doom. And, like, yeah, like, you know, a lot of people have been shot at before. But being shot at by an automatic weapon, you really feel the gravity of, like, these are like little missiles flying over my head. You feel me? Going into the building right behind me. I wound up hitting the cut. The dude drove off, didn't smoke anybody, but that was definitely a gnarly graffiti story right there for sure. Wow. Not what I was expecting. Yeah. Wow. I don't I don't know what else to say. Flacco's muted, but I don't know what else to say. <clears throat> Yeah, I was already in, like, battle rap when this shit was going on, too. This is, like, 2011, some shit, 2013. Holy smokes, yo. That's not even little. That's not even yeah. a long time ago, relatively speaking. Not really, yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm an adult. Yeah, nah, y'all was, was living different out there. It, it was very it was very much you could feel it, you know what I mean? Maquina Muerte was, like, like yep. definitely, like, uh, you know, like uh, nobody thought that y'all were like fronting or like nah. not not living the the shit y'all rap about. Y'all, you know, rest in peace, Cadillac Ron. Yeah. Rest in peace to my brother Caddy all day on Caddy. But look, I just made I just had to make sure to tell the little homies we don't we're not even into it with them folks like that. So stop catching spots in the damn bloods hood over there. You feel me? Like <laughs> stick to our section and just know where you at when you're catching a piece. Cause you might not be you that wants getting busted at. Mm. Yo, that's big. And I'm too, visible. Actually. People know where people in my city know where I'm from. So it's like they're gonna target me if some shit goes down with my homies because I'm easier to get to get at. You feel me? Like because I'm visible, people know where I'm at. I don't be hiding. I'm not in the cuts. I'm everywhere. So yeah. Yo, that just took a twist I was not expecting, but also it's very educational and worth talking about these things, especially because, it, man, the fact that I react like that is probably why it's worth talking about on the real. People don't know that things are really, really like that when they talk about things sometimes from where I mean, okay, of course there's shit that's whatever everywhere, but like, yo, where I'm at, I walk around wherever and it's all good in the hood for real. Like, you don't have to worry about anything like that. Yeah, so nah, it's not like, like that. It's not like that like, where Lush just, is from. It's not like that where I'm from. You know, like, it's big for Politics. Mm-hmm. Got to know where you at. Got to know how you're moving. Mm-hmm. Sense oh, yeah. the energy, all kinds of shit. Mm-hmm. Got to mind your attire and all that shit. All yeah, that. I've all never that. once had to worry about that shit. In my opinion, I mean, I don't know if I ever offended because I didn't, but like, I've never once worried about what clothes I wore when I went to a place. Oh yeah, that's 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 an actual thing. Mm-hmm. That's that's and it. just how you carry yourself, you know, like yeah. it could be like 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 somebody if you if you look like a gangbanger or you're even a specific race and you're wearing you could be wearing the same hat as somebody like yourself. And like you won't have the same accent wearing, so you're not going to attract that same energy. But it's it's, it's it's subtle things people look for. Like I could tell what neighborhood in LA people are from by the certain words they use, by the the way they move. I could tell like, oh, he from the Hoovers, he from the Raymonds. I could just tell by looking at somebody what hood they're. It's weird, dude. It's like it's a it's a creepy uh, hood LA six sense type shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, I feel like. 
a lot of cities have that like general premise where we can tell where people are from a little bit, but not with the gravity of the situation attached to it. Yeah, it's like there's there's yeah, there's definitely it's the same thing, but there's exactly well said. There's 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 other connotations attached to it. Like I often like think about how hostile corporate like America really is, but it's like people are really just fighting for mortgages and securing like bill payments. There's not like really any life threatening situations. This is like a situation but nothing's life threatening, which to me is like it's like a separation of realities. Like, you know, when you're not worried about dying, you're, you're able to think a little different. Mergers and acquisitions, murders and executions, you know, hey. It's, it's the same kind of shit, but different. I mean, I don't know. I just, I, I think it's interesting stuff. I, I, I think about that kind of thing a lot. So hearing you describe it, it is, it's helpful because it adds context to reality. So I'm always grateful for these kinds of moments. Um, yeah. Yeah. Fools thought I was gonna tell a graffiti story, and it's gonna be like, oh, and then I fucking uh, wrote on the side of a wall. Like, nah, it's way deeper than that, boy. I mean, I got I, stories like that too, mobbing the freeway, all that shit. But no, I think that's what people needed to hear. I like that personally. You gotta understand, I really live for that shit. It doesn't have to be comfortable always. It's just gotta be real for me. And that makes no, I don't, yo, to be honest, I don't really tell that story too often. So only to people I know really well. It's my first time publicly telling that story. So exclusive street sweeper. Right. <laughs> no, but like, again, it's like for me, especially in the world I'm in, I have to be cognizant of all that shit, right? Like, I don't necessarily know who I'm talking to in the future and what they've been through and the different kinds of realities and stuff. So in a sense, you're giving me this gift where it's like, yo, keep in mind. When you ask these questions, when you delve into these people's lives, these are the things you're actually delving into sometimes. You know, I never once thought that graffiti could be correlated with violence until today. I didn't even think about it. Not ever. Because nobody talks about oh, graffiti yeah. shit. Oh, yeah. Maybe oh, nobody yeah. talks about graffiti shit because it was so linked to violence. Like, you know, like I never would have made these connections because again, nobody talks about it. It's hard to find. And that's why, that's why I don't call myself. I never, I I won't be like, Oh, I was a graffiti writer. I'll say I was a tag banger because it's a different, you know what I mean? It's a specific type of graffiti writer and uh, it's linked to gang culture because of where I grew up at. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All that's helpful for the rest of the world to hear though. And I think it's important. In fact, to be honest, the funny thing is, like in LA, like that word which I've embraced and put on blast in music and shit, that's like uh, an insult. When people say in LA, oh, you're just a tag banger, that's like gangsters saying, like, oh, you're not like a real gangster. You're just a tag banger. You know what I mean? But that's such like a common thing for the youth of LA to be, particularly for my generation, that I embrace that term and wear it like a badge of honor, whereas other people will look down upon it. You know what I mean? It's kind of funny. No, I really appreciate it still. So yeah, um, honestly, I, I'm just grateful you came through and told us all this stuff in general. Um, I, I feel like this is that good point to start like wrapping up a little bit. I appreciate you. Yeah, no, it, was, it was a fantastic, and fantastic like, interview. Yeah, yo. I mean, We're going to definitely have to pick up to do part two because like there's a lot more story left to tell. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's know? crazy because we could have like, gone so many directions. But like, I think mm -hmm. it's most important to talk about you at the beginning because you're the, the focus. 
and you're the interesting mm-hmm. one. You're the one who made amazing things happen. We can talk about amazing things later time, and you were a part of a lot of history that's probably worth delving more into. But I was, I'm sincerely more interested in the people who make the art and shit. I wanted to know about the man who made that album. That was what motivated me in this interview more than like anything else. And that was the truth of it. I mean, yes, grind time, all that stuff's really cool. And it really is really cool. I'm not trying to diminish it at all. But like, yo, you just wrote this great album. It came out a month ago. <laughs> That's a month ago. That's like modern fucking 2021 fresh shit. That's, That's beautiful. You know, like no, I appreciate you, and I'm glad we talked about this. Con- I'm I'd much prefer this conversation than um just delving into. I, you know, I've done thousands of interviews on battle rap, and you know, I'm down to discuss it. But like, th- there's so many, there's so much more to me as a human being, and not only that, but my contributions to the culture far supersede my involvement in battle rap. And Big facts. A lot of that can be lost in translation. I know Flacco can relate to that as well because it's the same for yeah. him. So. Yeah. Usually, that's, why, that's why I definitely fuck with Holden too. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> when, when I did the interview with him, like I said, like I was like, damn, yo, why haven't I never been asked these questions before? Why haven't I had the opportunity to sit down with someone and like just talk about like what I was listening to growing up, what it was that I was like, what all was it that led to everything else? You know, not just like, when did you fall in love with hip hop? Or like, you know, when, you know, like typical questions that we get asked from like, you know, in the battle rap community, you know, that's just like, it's all about battle rap. It's all about, you know, this and that. And it's just like, yo, fam, I want to talk about other things. Like, I, I love battle rap. I love what it afforded me. But, like, more than that, like, I love, you know, uh, this whole culture. Let's talk about that. That part. Like, I feel like as I listen to all of these battle rap interviews, because I try to, like, go through the interviews and stuff, but it's often, like, cool to hear about your, your, like, super big accolades and some big moments. Like, people are willing to jump at the shit that feels like it's clickbait moments. I'm like, that's all cool and stuff. But when you watch five or six interviews in a row, you're kind of like, I don't watch them all the two hour, three hour ones, but the shorter ones, especially, you know, the shorter ones, these guys like all ask the same shit. And I'm like, man, that's gotta be boring. That's gotta not, like, not to say always boring, but like, no, like, I'd rather talk about fucking throwing up on Kate Hudson's shoes or getting shot at by bloods. You feel me? Like, yeah. way more interesting. But like, that's it. But I also wanna talk about the fact that you're a successful entrepreneur who's been able to do a whole bunch of great moves because that's what people can learn from truth like yo it's not just like you were like one thing like you you helped impact canadian culture like in, in a sense like these are things that are like you know to me what make you that's why canadians is jumping at me going the guy's a legend you know i love i love canada always will and um it's an honor and look dude you are carving your niche as an incredible um you know, student and purveyor of the culture yourself. And I love what you're doing. And it's so genuine to you. No caricature. You're just yourself. And uh, it, it, the, the conversation was like butter. You know what I mean? Like, I fucks with it 100%. And um, I'm always down to... And I, th- this is going to be online for me to watch, right? I can watch this. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be yeah, yeah. immediately so- available on Twitch. Uh, it'll be on the EO Dub fucking YouTube. Like, also Channel. on their Yeah, shit. it's on the EO Dub. Uh, we're going to make clips out of this in a few days and sh- i don't and know it'll be on youtube a week 
you know, you know, and then all that, yeah. And then we'll clean up one for uh, the like what we call the final one after in a couple of weeks because we're a little behind. But like catching up, the clips is gonna be out fast though. We caught up on clips, so probably within a week you should have some of those snippets. Well, fire! And this has been an incredible man. We went motherfucking trace auras full fucking three hours in this biatch. This shit was you dope. You know what I'm saying? You know, Flacco, you're my brother, Porvita. Love you, man. I seen uh, seen Dama pop up for a second. You feel me? Yeah, yeah she did. Her. Yeah, she did. But which, by the way, like, kind of like made it a, like even more of a fact that like Viva La Mesa, you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. big, big shouts to the fam. Like, Yes. Period. Point blank. You feel me, La Mesa? Like that's that's how we come in. That's the that's family Porvita right there. Y'all are uh, man. This is incredible. Whatever I can do for y'all in the future, thank you and thank you for your support and for this opportunity to teach the world a little bit more about me that they might may or may not know already. So. Honestly, I mean, to me, it's more like the opposite. I should be thanking you. Like, I'm not really at the place where I'm like, you know, gotta like, I mean, it's starting, sure. But to be able to be like, yo, Lush One's coming through. You have no idea. I mean, you might, but you have no idea at least how meaningful that sentence is to people. Like, it's kind of like a sincere way of getting clout in my city. Because they're not. Let's go. They're looking at it like, how is Holden pulling these fucking names? To which I'm like, Flacco, Flacco Dutch, Flacco. You guys know I'm Dutch, Dutch, Flacco. They ain't no attention to the man Flacco, Flacco Dutch. That's basically all I'm saying because it's the truth of it. I'm like, listen, my life was going in one way. I literally do this thing with Flacco in like, what, October? And then November, we do the interview. The review comes around. Then October, we do the interview in November. It's like I just turned 33. I thought 33 is good. I'm into numbers, so threes are cool. So double it up on the three. I felt it would be a good year. I don't know. Your Larry Bird year, fool. And then um, all of a sudden, Flacco is just like, let's do this shit. And then, I don't know, I interviewed him, a couple people in Montreal at the same week, and it just... Now it's like a regular, man. I'm talking to people three times a week in my life. I got a cypher. We started this, that, the next thing. And it's like, wow. You know, like, and so just you being here is pretty fucking dope. And I really appreciate that. It's all love. I appreciate y'all. Shouts to everybody. Fives up. And um, I'm going to catch y'all soon, man. Yeah, I appreciate that. Talk to you soon. I'll see you sooner. Have yourself a great day and take care. Cool. Be smooth.